Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Outside Perspective with me, Adam Meredith. Thank you guys so much for joining me as I embark on this journey of exploration and knowledge seeking as I sit down with people from all walks of life, uh, from all over the world, um, and just have engaging and meaningful conversation. Uh, well, I guess meaningful is, um, I guess meaningful is, is up to the interpreter, huh? So just having just, just conversations where I'm connecting with people and learning and just gaining a different understanding of how the world is viewed um, and how the world is experienced through another person. Um, I sometimes think about this interesting concept that everybody in this world is me just living a different life, having a different perspective, different experiences, different interests, just a different frequency of me. So I really want to dive into that and just learn more about others and just different things in the world. I'm definitely going to hone in on a lot of my interests, uh, for sure. Uh, fascinated by science and health and wellness and psychology and sociology and business and finance and so many different things, man. The fucking, there's just too much to fucking learn about in this world. So I wanted to sit down with amazing people and just learn. And uh, I want to bring you guys along on that ride. So thank you guys again for joining. Let's hop into this to this episode of the podcast. But before you do, let me first tell you who we have on the podcast today. I have Jordan Dowdy. He's a professional MMA fighter and just an awesome guy, an all-around interesting person. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. This one is a long one, folks. So strap in. We we really hit a groove there. We were just, you know, before I knew it, time was just flying by. So I don't intend for all of the episodes to to be three hours. Ideally looking for an hour, hour and a half, you know, if we're really going. Um, you know, but, you know, fuck it. Sometimes we just have a three-hour conversation. So uh, this was a good one. So enjoy. All right, here we are. Sweet. Jordan, what's up, dude? Not too much, you know. Good summer weather's finally here. We skipped over spring. I'm enjoying it. Yes, yes. It's a beautiful fucking day. I love seeing all the green everywhere. That's for sure. Yes, yes. All right, folks. So I'm sitting here with uh, my buddy Jordan Dowdy. Um, man, I don't know how long it's been, but I feel like I've known you forever. Um, but it's probably been, what, a good at least two or three years? How long has, how long has uh, Sub-Zero been there? Sub-Zero's been there... November 2013 is when they opened up. I was a customer there in around April because I had an injury. I was still an amateur at the time, and I thought I might not be able to compete anymore. With It felt like a back injury that I had when I was 16, which I blew out a disc, but luckily it wasn't that, and I kind of weaseled my way into working there mm -hmm. in 2015, I believe it was, and been there ever since. But uh, I remember the first time I ever saw you on the scene, you were kickboxing Daryl Cobb. I was writing the article for Knuckle Junkies that night, and I'm like, that's the guy. That's the top guy in the area. I'm like, I just saw how he could use his reach, how he could move, 
and I hadn't met you yet. And then there was a a fight show at the Heart of St. Charles Banquet Center. I don't remember who it was. And I remember I found I walked up to you and I go, man, I really enjoyed that fight. And I remember that being the first time I really officially met you. And I'm like, that's the guy on top of the scene. That's that's what I got to emulate or try to shoot for because he's there. Yeah. That's funny, man. I remember that fight. Um, you know, I couldn't get any MMA fights at that time. I don't know why. I don't know. You know how it is. Sometimes you just can't get fights. So I just, yeah, I just took, I just took that fight. Man, I remember it was funny fighting Daryl because I remember, like, whenever I was an amateur, and like he was like the next big thing. Like every, like everybody for some reason, um was just super scared of Daryl. So it was just really interesting kind of having that outside perspective as an amateur and then, like, all those years later, like, fighting him. Well, and that's kind of a similar thing for the dichotomy when, I, dichotomy when I met you. That was, like, I saw. I was still an amateur at the time. Like, that's where I got to get. Yeah. And then here comes Bellator, and nobody wanted to sign that dotted line to fight you. And I was like, I'll do it. I mean, that's that's my yeah. gauge, so. Yeah. Man, that was an interesting time in life. So for the folks listening um, that don't know, Jordan and I, um, you know, we fought against each other um, back in 2015. Golly, fuck, dude. (laughs) Three years ago. Holy shit. Yeah, November of 2015 on Bellator when they came into town. Um, Yeah, those those, those are some good times, dude. Yeah, we were talking about training together because I'm like, man, I got to get some working with this guy if I'm going to get that next level. And then all of a sudden I won that second – pro fight in September and we were asked about being on Bellator and I think I even sent you a text going hey they're gonna put me on there and I know they were looking for you we might get matched up and then uh you sent me something back like yep contract came through with your name on it let's let's have a good time and then from there on it was just a gentleman's duel and I remember even lining up the way in they had us next to each other and we're just sitting there like embracing it it was fun it's like there's a difference between enemies and opponents and at that time I was just like cool this is quite a ride to go from my last amateur fight in january and here in november i'm fighting on the biggest show to come to st louis against the top guy so i i knew i was playing with house money there (laughs) yeah i mean that was a fun time dude i I don't know that year um i just had a good year that year just really hit my stride and then i got injured um and then after that fucking life happens mental it's a mental game bro every day that's what i really learned because even whenever i came back after injury um I feel like everything physically kind of felt right. I mean, I was, weight cuts were easier than ever. Like, I was in good shape. Just mentally wasn't there. It's, it's every day. It's, I try to do something to not just train the body but train the mind because that was the one thing that you see everybody do, and, and you see all these guys that they can perform like, you know, Captain America in the gym. They're just wrecking fools. And then when it comes time to get down to it, mentally they're lacking something. They didn't build something there, whether it's a, a concept of self-belief that may be true or maybe not true, but you got to have that self-talk with yourself. you got to build that mental muscle. And I find I get that a lot from podcasts, reading different books, sports performance books. And even though it's different sports, mm-hmm. it's, there was one book called The Champion's Mind. It was different stories in the end of it of Olympians. Here's the stuff they dealt with. No one knew about it. Right. They still went out and performed. Right. They didn't go in with a pre-made excuse. But uh, that kind of stuff I felt like recharged me in a way that the world couldn't. Because I couldn't communicate with someone that had been there. You don't just go to the grocery store and run into Bob. And Bob, hey, man, I competed at a high level. Here's what I did. Here's what I learned. No, right. I, I had to go to other source material. Yeah, man, the, the average person doesn't really – it's hard to relate. 
you know, if you try to have those conversations, like, fuck, dude, you know, you're sitting there and, and you're doing all the right things. And, you know, credit to you, dude, you are like one of the few guys kind of in the area who's just always doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Um, taking all aspects, you know, into play, you know, physical, mental recovery. Um, but yeah, dude, if, if you're just not firing all cylinders and, and really trying to, uh, to strengthen your mind, then everything just falls apart. Yeah. And I only recently just kind of felt like everything came together because Mm -hmm. I had all that aspect into it going last year for a run, but then, you know, I had a fight where my health was in question. Like I should have pulled out, I had a staph infection and Mm -hmm. so mentally I was there physically I was as there as I could be because of that limitation being on antibiotics and all that Uh, but this last Bellator fight everything was perfect yeah the weight cuts they're never fun but I had more time to drink and and I actually did a lot of rehydration studying to see how much how many milligrams of salt is lost in a pound of sweat and I calculated how much I had to put back on and, and gradually sipping because the emotional part of the weight cut was always Oh, it's done. I'm going to drink this. I'm going to slam this down. And I'm going to eat. And the more I kept thinking about it, I was reading what Lockhart did and Dolce did and a bunch of other nutritionists. And what basically the concept came down to was, you know, we're, we're pretty messed up by the time we get off the scale. Like, we should probably go to the hospital. So and if we were to go to the hospital, would they go, okay, man, let's hear some food. We hope you feel better. No, they would hydrate you first. Yeah. So I did a slow sipping got that back up and and this the mental game was on and my conditioning was better than it had ever been and I just walk into that cage and I'm like I'm just going to be present I'm not even going to think I've done everything I need to do easiest fight ever had yeah yeah that's the best feeling dude whenever you just you know slip in that flow state you don't think about anything you're just you're just doing absolutely that's a that was uh that's exactly what it was and there was a big relief on that fight because I wanted that big win on Bellator. I felt like I worked hard enough to deserve it. And the last two didn't go my way. The first one, in retrospect, I wasn't ready for. I mean, I had a good time. Like I said, I was playing with house money. But uh, that move you hit me with, I I turned the wrong way. But honestly, it was like that was a professional-level move. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I came came to a checkers – or I came to a chess game only with checkers pieces here. You know, I got beat, so I, I got to look at what I did wrong. Yeah. And then uh, the next Bellator fight with Bomba, nobody wanted that fight. And I got a little too elbow happy, and even maybe I should have finished him. I only got hit with one thing, and they had a ring next to us too. I didn't know how much time was left in that round. There was only one second left. But yeah. when I got done, Randy Couture and, and Jay Glazer, they came up to me and go, dude, we had no clue you had jiu-jitsu like that. And I'm like, if only it was a little better. Yeah. I mean, that guy was a two-time – world champion at black belt and I almost put him in an arm bar and all I could think of afterward was if I'd have just bit down on that knee in the back and grabbed his head who knows what would have happened yeah man but that was a good learning experience too and and to have those two defeats I always kind of felt a little bit okay with like nobody else wanted those fights but it wasn't okay like Mm -hmm. nobody else wanted them I took them because I'm not a puss but I wanted to test myself, but then this one, this next one, it had to be mine. Like, I didn't care who it was. It, it had to be mine. Right. And to get that one, it was it was good to finally get. I bet, man. You know, in the fact of, of the matter that at least, you know, they had you back, you know, three times, dude. Like, obviously, well, there's probably going to be some more from there. And even if you're on there, one time, they call you Bellator vet. Yeah. And they introduce it to you. They add it to your resume. And, and it's nice, and it may be legitimate to people that are not in the know. But to me, I was always kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. 
now three times in with a good win like that, I feel like finally there's a little bit of merit to it. Like we all know I wasn't like signed to them, but I've been there and uh, I had that moment and I was able to share it. So it's not completely true, but in a way, okay, I can, I can claim a little piece of that. Right. Yeah, because to to just the average person, dude, you start talking to them. Oh, what do you, you know? Oh, you fight, and then you know you just say if if they do know who Bellator is, you know, for some reason everybody thinks there's only the UFC, uh, and they they think MMA is UFC. That's the most annoying thing, right? It's, yeah, it's it's like, oh, do you UFC? Nope, don't do that. I don't. I don't know. NASCAR either. I don't MLB. I never <laughs> did NBA either. You know. Yeah, but. I don't. I don't do any of that shit. But yeah, do they? They hear that, and sometimes they're they're like, oh man. But yeah, if you, if you fought, and you're just like, ah, well, yeah, you know, I did fight on there. I do that because, I mean, I only had the one fight, and um, I'm just like, no, I'm not really a Bellator vet. Yeah. Um, so and. One of the reasons I did take that Bomba fight is what was on the line was a three-fight deal with him. Oh, So nice. then I felt like I go in there, I perform well, I can at least claim that piece because uh, it's all about kind of getting what I was worth in there. And I'm not always just in it for the result. I'm in it for, for the journey, but the result would be nice, especially mm-hmm. as the days go by, you get a little older, and, and you just know that competing window at some point closes. Like that's a lot of things these, these younger guys don't go. Like they, they'll just – not show up to practice or they'll be goofing off. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, you have a gift here. I got into this late. I started training when I was 24, 25 from nothing. I was athletic, but I didn't have any base in anything other than just being an athlete. And I see them wasting their time. And I'm like, oh, if I could just steal that from you, like Space Jam, hands on the basketball, I'm just going to steal your time and let me have it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. The, what, 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 there's a fucking saying. What is it? What the – I don't know. Something's wasted on the youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of it. Uh, I don't know what it is. I already fucked it up. Moments passed. I don't know. Maybe it, have you seen the studies about taking blood from from younger mice and the old? I have seen that. Maybe I just use those guys that are slackers as a blood bag. You know. Man, they're doing so fucking much. Man, I've, I'm 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 gonna live until I'm 100. I'm gonna be a centurion 100. <laughs> percent For real, I will. I just know I will. Like there's no with the way science is going, there's no there's no reason I can't live that long as long as I'm doing the right things. Yeah, uh, for real, especially with like the other studies you can get access to now, it's it's crazy, the little things and mineral deficiencies that can cause health issues that people didn't realize before that they were just taking medications for. Uh, my dad at one point had uh, heart murmurs or, or something going on with his heart. Nothing nothing too too dangerous, and they put him on heart medication, and then he goes to the chiropractor that we were going to at the time, which isn't it crazy that chiropractors have become like the base of nutrition around here. Like a lot of people, that's where they, if they go to a medical doctor, they won't hear nutrition. They go to a chiropractor. They can't. Yeah. And he goes, why are you on this? He goes, okay, what's wrong with you is a magnesium deficiency. He goes, stop taking that pill. Trust me, drink this stuff for a couple of days and your, your flutters and your heart are going to go away. And within like three days they were gone and yeah. he had to be on that medication that he was going to have to be on for the rest of his life. Really? Yeah. What did he base that off of, though? Uh, some some study about magnesium deficiency causing. Really? Yeah, it's. I don't have all the details on it, but I'm sure. I mean, if you kind of looked it up, you could see something in there. But it worked for him. I'm no, glad dude, he, magnesium is huge, and a lot of people are deficient in it, for sure. And um, I know it's. I know it's responsible for like over like 300 bodily processes. I was just wondering, like, I mean, what symptoms kind of gave him that clue? Um, I guess the heart kind of acts in a certain way or stressed more if you don't have that kind of electrolyte in you. Yeah. And the magnesium is, 
I drink that calm. It's good stuff. It almost yeah. tastes like a like a soda. It's got like a raspberry lemon to it. You can throw some ice in it and just kind of sip on it. And yeah. it gives you that taste of, oh, this is something that's different than water. Mm-hmm. And it's not terrible for me. Really? Yeah, I use a um, I use a, a topical magnesium oil. I'll spray it on my feet at night before I go to bed and I get out of the shower. On it has a cool key minerals thing that I'll take too that's got magnesium in it. And I feel like that makes a good difference in how I sleep even when nice. I take those key minerals. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely recommend for... Um, kind of anybody wanting to get their levels is definitely get their blood work done for sure. You know what I mean? That's why I was wondering like kind of what gave him like the idea without like having like blood work done and like actually seeing that. It might've just been, like, it worked out regardless. Yeah. It might've just been, Hey, this is something I've seen. Try it. If not, Super get back common. on your, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, there's definitely tell, you know, signs for sure. So he's like, Oh fuck. You know, I've seen this before and magnesium was the issue. So it worked out. I was just glad that my dad had listened and trusted him enough because they're from the generation of, where medicine really started to take off. Yeah. But the downside to that to them was they're kind of limited in their perspective. Like a pill will fix everything. It's like, don't take Prilosec. How about you just eat a little better? Yeah. And if your acid reflux start acting up, you know, baking soda and water. Or were you guys even told that? I found that solution on my own. I was on Prilosec when I was a kid. I didn't know any better. And it just turns out I wasn't eating that great for my body. And my esophagus was almost eroded to the point where they thought it was cancer. Oh, I was up. Shit. Yeah, I had a lot of health issues. And uh, I actually went up to the Mayo Clinic for a couple stays, and everything was fine. It was kind of a misdiagnosis. It was just like an internal bleed I had to get fixed because I was losing blood, and I didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah. So on top of losing the blood and taking iron and all this stuff, when I was taking the Prilosec, it did not let me absorb iron Yeah. or any really – good nutrients because it shuts off part of your absorption processes and so that stuff's like poison so i had like a dual-edged sword there and whenever i was uh still trying to train you know i was drinking five hour energy little things to try and get to the gym after work i was trying to go to sleep driving and one time i was just doing like simple mitt work and i had to sit down and the room was spinning i go man i can't be i can't be this tough anymore i gotta gotta go see what's going on Mm -hmm. had blood work done (laughs) two days later I get a call and they're like, you need to come into the emergency room now. And I go, well, I kind of got to go to work, you know, so how big of a deal is this? They're like, you're at risk of stroke and heart attack right now. Oh. Your hemoglobin count is at 4.6. Normal range is 13 to 16, 17 range. And I'm like, oh, and I hated that job at the time. So I was pretty excited to actually stay in the hospital that weekend and get blood <laughs> transfusion. So they got me over the course of the weekend. They got me, I was there from like a Thursday to a Sunday. And they just kept pumping this blood into me. So if anybody can ever give blood, I would recommend it. I can't. I ate beef when I lived in England for two years as a kid, and they won't let me do it. Every time I try, they won't let me. But I would love to be able to. Mm -hmm. And as they got my blood levels back up to about 10, you know, I still wasn't normal range. But I'm like, this must be what blood doping feels like. My skin changed colors. I got darker. I didn't need to sleep as much because it was like all of a sudden I had oxygen in my blood. And I remember telling the nurse Sunday, I'm like, can I go to practice tomorrow? like yeah i don't see why not and i went and we went through like the hardest workout we ever did i wasn't even breathing heavy now it leveled out over time but right. i'm like i can't believe i was that messed up because i'm like this sport is hard i'm like how are these guys fighting this hard i can't even hit mitts without getting that tired. no i just didn't have the blood yeah yeah you're just fucking deficient yeah man yeah you know i'm really of the belief that so many so many ailments are they're just uh they're, it's an autoimmune deficiency 
uh, or an autoimmune response. Like you're you're having fucking you're deficient in some sort of of, of nutrient, some sort of fucking. Um, I mean, you're just, you're just deficient in something. So your 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 gut's all fucked up. You know, you're you have so much inflammation going on. Um, God, and just so many things stem from from just having your gut out of whack. Not you know you don't have a, a healthy biome. Yeah, that's and then the food we eat now doesn't help that at all. But the inflammation, I think that's a real key point, and I think that's why something like CBD oil helps so many things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, CBD oil is great, and there's just so many just things that you could also do if, if you know, if CBD isn't readily available, you're just not you know aware of it. Like just simple things like cinnamon, you know, that that helps with uh, you know inflammation or you know turmeric's pretty pretty widely available now that helps with inflammation. There's just so many things that you could do is just incorporate in your diet, and then you're gonna get all these other like micronutrients. You know what I mean? Yeah, my my supplementation now kind of hits a little bit of of everything like that. So I do have some turmeric, I have CBD oil, I got some 5-HTP. I'd like the new mood from on it when I can afford to bulk up on it a little bit, but I try the 5-HTP in general just for like a mood enhancer, just get yeah. those neurons fighting a little better, and magnesium, and I just try to hit all the basics, really. Right, it, yeah. I really need to get some blood work done. Um, I just got a, um, a glucose meter, so I haven't used it. I'm fucking up. I've had it for like a couple of weeks. <laughs> I should probably start using that. Um but I wanted to get a baseline. I'm gonna probably like fast, like fast for like 24 hours. Get a baseline, see where I'm at, and then every time I eat a carb, you know, white rice, sweet potatoes, red potatoes, something, and then see how that, you know, how that uh, makes my my blood glucose react. Um, just because so, you got to get a baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I try not to um, do a whole lot of supplementation. But I definitely need to get some blood work done so I can see if I'm deficient in anything. Um, I try to keep it real basic. I do the turmeric. I'll do the, the topical magnesium. Um, I just have um, hemp protein, but the only ingredient is hemp. It's all single ingredient stuff. I'll use like chlorella or spirulina, the mushrooms that we put in the coffee. Like those are pretty awesome. Um, I try to keep it real basic. The one thing, last time I had blood work done, everything was in line but vitamin D. And vitamin that's just D. kind of due to how our society is. We're not really outside much. So Yeah, yeah. I've been really trying to change that. It's I take some droppers with it with, mm-hmm. it's got k2 in it just to keep it at level because especially if you're wearing your body down as much as you can from the training i just i like to not supplement over i like to just make sure i'm keeping my levels fine yeah you take like a d3 yep yeah nice yeah that's just such a huge one i couldn't imagine living in a place that you know gets you know extended periods of time with only sun or only um only dark you know what I mean? It's going to fuck up your circadian rhythm. You're going to be deficient in something. Or working a shift that way. I noticed a big difference. Like if you were working night shifts, that's what I mean. But I noticed yeah. a big difference even in the winter whenever it's just like gray, overcast sky. Like sometimes I'm just bummed out. Yeah. I'm just bummed out. And then if even if it's cold and the sun's out, I just I feel a little bit better. I want that sun to hit me. And I don't care what anybody says. I, don't, I, I like it. Like as soon as it hits me, that warmth of that sun, it's just something. It does something chemically in my body where I'm just I'm happier. 
Man, dude, we're designed for it. I mean, we get so much from the sun. I mean, yeah, there's the vitamin D, right? But you're also getting UVA and UVB. And I'm sure there's a whole host of other things that you're getting that just the body needs. Like, we need these things. Like, um, UVs have been kind of demonized. I remember, you know, growing up, you got to get your, your sunscreen. And even now, like, my kids' um, daycare, they're like, make sure you send your sunscreen. And sunscreen's great and all, but you're putting on a lot of chemicals that are probably doing more harm than the actual sun. Um, and a lot of times what they're doing is with those, they're only blocking um, UVA. So you're you're getting UVB. And maybe I'm just fucking, I might be switching those two, which one is blocking. But you need one, you need them both together. Like if you're only getting one, that's when you're getting the harmful effects. So, yeah, man, there's just, I'm just glad that we're learning a lot. So that way we can we can do better. Yeah, it's a certain balance to it all. I imagine something like sunscreen, something you wouldn't even think about until you have kids. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Well, you know, because I can, just, I can just think about growing up always putting sunscreen on and whatnot. And like me now, I, I don't even really use sunscreen. I use coconut oil all the time. That actually is kind of a, a low grade, very low, but that has like a low like SPF. Like it'll help with the sun some. But I mean, obviously, like I mean, I have melanin, so there's some protection there. Um, <laughs> I get color. People people joke at me. Oh, you must not like the sun. I'm like, nah. Actually, I do get some color. I just yeah. SPF 15. Give me that base layer, and I'm good. Yeah, you just gotta just be a little bit uh, more strategic with your sun exposure. You know, not too much, too fast. I mean, I, yeah, I get white, white, but I also get some color. It's like part of its product of working inside, ladies and gentlemen. So they can yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> Man, I try to go on these 10 minute walks throughout the day whenever I can, just to get some sun and help you know, circulate the blood and whatnot. Yeah, when I worked in, in that office, that was the highlight of my day was being able to walk outside. I mean, that was just, that felt like a prison. And actually, like, there were some dark days there. I really battled a lot of mental demons sitting in that office watching everybody that wasn't even like me there. And sometimes it got so bad that the happiest part of my day was when a little bit of sunlight would hit my desk from the door. Because everybody yeah. fought over the window seats. But yeah, when they got them, they threw the shades down and... I'm like, give that to me then if you don't want that. I'll, I'll sit there and soak all that up. But yeah, uh, I, and they act like vampires. They didn't want nothing to do with it. They were, they weren't gonna take the the stairs. They weren't gonna go outside. You know, they were just gonna hold up in there. And yeah, oh man, that just wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me at all. Yeah, fuck, man. You know, it's it's really sad. But yeah, the office, like working in an office, which I mean, you and I have both done, and I'm. I'm currently doing, right, kind of, because you got to do what you can, you know, what you got to, right, while you're kind of building the life that you want. So, like, I'm in this office right now, and I'm having these conversations with people. It's it's a, it's a, a lot better experience now because I have a better understanding of who I am and, like, kind of what I'm working towards. So, like, I'm directing a lot of the conversations towards health and, like, things that I want to talk about and just being me just is what it is at this point. But kind of earlier whenever like I thought that I really wanted to like fuck well this is the path I'm going to go down no you just accept kind of what society kind of deals you fuck well I want to get this office job and I'm going to try to work my way up this corporate ladder right you're just but you're with all these people and they don't have like drive and they don't know a lot of like how like how to eat healthier they don't know a lot of these things and and you start to get the feeling like they just don't care like if you do try to talk to them about it and um, it just becomes almost like a toxic environment. You know, everybody's sitting all day. Um, nobody's really, you're just going through this. Every day is like Groundhog's Day. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's unhealthy. Everybody's bitching and complaining about the same shit at work. It's just like, it's just this vicious fucking cycle of 
just negativity. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what really threw me off from it. It's like it's just it wasn't made for me, but the biggest issue for me there was I felt like I was trapped. Yeah. Like mentally, I felt trapped. Like I felt like it was a prison, but the bars weren't physical. They were more mental. I'm like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. I did exactly what you guys told me to do. I went through elementary school. I got good grades. Right. I didn't, I didn't fuck up. I did all the right stuff. You know, I was the oldest, so I was raised a little bit more stricter than my younger brothers were. Yeah. So and then, you know, I went to high school, got the good grades, and, and stayed in athletics, didn't knock any girl up in high school or, or college. And, and in college, you know, I, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I had a couple of major changes, but I'm like, okay, they told me as long as I'm here and I do this work yeah. when I'm out, the world that they've built for us to get into, it's a good one. It will be successful. And so then I graduated college and, and then I had a, another job in the interim. And then when I got a job in an office, I remember sitting there at 23 years old with a degree around a bunch of middle-aged women who hated me already because I was the young smart guy in there that had the same job they did. And I'm sitting here thinking like all my friends, all my, not even my friends, people my age, people I can relate to, they're not here. And I had these petty people. And then I got promoted to a senior level position three months in over these people because I could just, I was, I had more of an aptitude to learn that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, and it, it wasn't anything against them, but you know, the kids that are now growing up are going to be able to embrace technology better than us, no matter how hard, or how hard we try. Right. And so I had them doing real petty things, like counting how many times I go up to take a piss during the day, and they try and hold it against me. And then I would work hard, and then all of a sudden I'd be doing someone else's work. And then that someone else, since she was friends with the boss, would get the raises. And I'm like, this isn't justified. This isn't what you guys told me it was going to be. And and then I did exactly what they told me to do. Hey, man, you know, you graduated. you got to start building some credit. And I had a car that blew up on me, the transmission did. And so I'm like, I gotta buy a car. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I have all these payments. I'm fucking stuck here and I hate this shit. Yeah. Every day it's, and then all, everyone else that was older than me, oh, that's just kind of how it is. And I'm like, maybe for you, but that's, that's, I always felt like I was built for bigger things than this. I did what you guys told me to do. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here with a student loan debt and this, and I trusted you guys. You guys fucking failed me here. And, you know, some of it's my fault, but I didn't, I don't have the perspective I do at 32 that I did at 18. They told me, you do this and it'll be done. And I trusted you. And, and this is what my reward was, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it, there's a little bit of self-responsibility to it, but I just, I always kind of felt like they guided us wrong. Like they let us down. Instead of bailing out these banks that were giving up, bullshit loans you're just letting your your next generation of kids that you're raising incur yeah. all this debt like yeah. all the student loan debt they yeah. hit my credit report with that shit and uh, i had a car after the bellator fight things that were kind of a mess but my car had an issue and i had to get another so i had a lot of medical debt already from all those health issues mm-hmm. that i've been steadily paying down but then whenever the student loans that i didn't know hit my credit report hit my credit report and i need a new car I couldn't get one, and I was like, I'm on the phone with them, like, why are you guys doing this? Like, I will pay this off. Let's put it in forbearance. You guys need to take this off so I can get a car to go to work so I can pay you guys. Like, right. this is like the recycling bin logo, you know? Right. This is cyclical. I got to have one thing to do this to get you guys your shit back. I'm like, whose side are you on here? And so I found a way to get it done, and I got it all. But I'm just sitting there like, man, this is kind of set up to keep you down. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, the negativity is so easy to find out there. You just got to find a way to, to not be around it because when it's set up that way and it feels like the cards are against you, it's easy to embrace that, that victim mindset. So 
Yeah. I kind of went on a rant there, but you kind of know what I'm saying. No, man. I mean, you fucking – you touched on a lot of different things there, man. Fuck, dude. We can really unpack that. I mean, there's the fucking scarcity mindset, right? I mean – Nobody wants to be around that, you know. You get started getting crabs in the barrel. Everybody's trying to pull each other, you know, other down, and that's just a shitty company like culture. Like nobody wants to be in that type of culture. And you know, there are definitely companies out there that aren't like that, right? That try to build each other up. Like there's a fucking great one here in St. Louis, um, First Form. Um, Andy Frizzell owns it. He owns also like supplement superstores, and like they have like a fucking awesome culture, and a lot of people seem to be happy there. So if that's your thing, and you can find an awesome culture, that's great. But yeah, and a lot of these fucking these Fortune 500 offices, and we have several large companies here. You know, it's just all about the bottom dollar, and it just it just creates this environment typically to that it for. For a lot of the people on the front lines or at, at the bottom of the fucking the pyramid there, it just it just creates a really shitty environment, and it just it sucks. It does. And I kind of got back to them at the first job, though, because they were going through a merger, and I was helping their, their systems communicate. And everybody's there is doing this, and I'm like, hey, guys, you know when this is over, they won't need us anymore. Like, this was a... They bought this company. Like, you know how this is going to go. No, 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 no. And I'm like, you know, I'd be saying this in, like, meetings. Like, just so you guys know, plan ahead. But no, then I was that young kid just being an asshole. And then finally they had that meeting the one day. And they're like, yeah, we're sending all these over to India. And I'm like, guys, I told you. Did you not notice the parking lot was dwindling down here and, and all this? And then they were coming in and they were like, oh, well, you got to still work here for this many months. And they brought us in. And, and they're like, we just kind of need you to sign this release. I'm like, I'm not signing this. I said, uh, you guys have done nothing but hold me back from promotions, defame my name here, whenever all I ever did was ask the questions that you hired me to ask about these processes. And I said, I have all the emails saved. I said, I have all this stuff on you guys. I said, I'm going to have a lawyer look at all of it. So I'm not signing it, and it was a complete bluff. And so I go home. <laughs> they had this meeting in January, and the last day the department was going to work was in May. I get a call, and they're like, yeah, you don't even need to come in anymore. We'll just we'll pay your salary through May. And everybody else had to stay. They were kind of pissed at me, but I, I, I hey, was, it, so all my friends were called at corporate sponsorship, like Edward Norton in Fight Club, and he's walking out with the computer. He's yes. getting paid, Hell and yeah. I was like, okay, that that's a good consolation. And then I felt freed of it. Oh man! And then I felt freed of it, and then I was looking for a good job for about a year after that because it was a senior level data analyst that, you know, and then everybody's like, well, you could just get a job at Sears, and I'm like, man, the unemployment that I'm getting back, which is my tax dollars that I already paid, that I feel like I was just getting back. I'm like, it's, it goes down if I get a job that isn't around the level I was at. Yeah. And so what do you guys want me to do? Like work harder, not be able to find a better job and just work a cashier somewhere? Yeah. I'm like, let me, let me see what I got here. I got a little bit of time. Yeah. I mean, at that point you're like, fuck, dude, I was making this. This is what my time is worth. I'm, I'm going to try to get that. I felt like I had my life back. I'm like, oh, it's weights off of me. Okay. I'm, I'm not stuck in that office anymore. And Man, fuck that. I'm like, this is this is a, a reset, you know? I, yeah. I'm lucky to get this because I would have been stuck there. Yeah, that fucking daily commute where you're just driving, you start dreading it, you start fucking, you just feel the heaviness, and you start fucking frowning, and you're like, fuck. You know, you're whispering on your breath, this motherfucking place. And yeah. It was All like, this resentment, negativity, yeah. dude, and it's fucking cancerous, bro. Well, it's cancer. that was in like a 2013 when I left, so that was from 2010 to 2013. I hadn't discovered podcasts back then. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting in the office just listening to the sports radio or music or, you know, when Netflix started coming out, I started 
hiding my phone and watching Netflix when I was working, which actually I got more done when I had it going because something could hold my attention instead of 13 things. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have like the JRE podcast and all the stuff that we are privileged to get nowadays because no matter what I'm feeling, I can – a YouTube search can find something. Like, okay, today I I need a little workout motivation or today I need a little life motivation. And, you know, I can just find it. And that's – that's so easy. It's like if I'd have had that then, how much more would I know? Yeah, that's definitely one of the benefits of the internet, right? Dude, there's just so much information. There's no reason to be ignorant. Really, on any, if there's anything that you want to learn, you can. It's all available. It's all available. There's no reason to not always be learning. I don't, I don't understand it. But, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you get into that situation and – at least, and maybe it's just because we grew up here in the Midwest. You know what I mean? It's super conservative. I'll say it time and time again. We're in the fucking Bible Belt. Yep. Um, so that just brings a whole, you know, other set of just beliefs and just just this overarching feeling of just the whole area. All you know, just all through it. And there's just a way of thinking, and it's like this is the way. It's like then you realize, like, well, it's a way. Yeah, it's a way. It's a way. That's really cool. That's but. I want to do this other thing where it's like, well, maybe I'm just fucking doing jujitsu and I'm fucking doing some privates and just do, I don't make a lot of money, but fucking I'm doing what I want to be doing right now. It's like, okay, well maybe you're fucking making like 70 grand doing what the fuck you love. And it's for yourself. One of the the biggest eye opening statements I ever saw was what you get paid an hour is how much a company thinks your life is worth. And I was like, oh, shit, that's that's some deep shit. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm giving up time. I'm never going to get back for this amount, and I'm not happy doing it. And, you know, the previous generation, like I said, they, they won't understand it because they had careers at 18, you know, and they had something called retirement <laughs> yeah. that we aren't going to have. So right now I'm just trying to find a way to balance out my bills and find something that feels like it fulfills me a bit. Yeah, well – also, we're paying into Social Security. We'll never get that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you say that. So I I took a contract job. It was six months. And they were paying me $27 an hour. Dude, I found – I wasn't supposed to probably get this information on these financials. I found out – so I was, I was contracted through a company that was – they had won a bid, a contract with a company for – they're relocating them, right? So I was a part of that contract. So they were billing hours for me, and they're paying me. They're paying me $27 an hour. I find out they're billing me at $125 an hour or $140 an hour. One of those fucking numbers. 100 some odd dollars an hour. They're billing me at, and they're paying me $27 an hour. But they did you a favor. Holy fuck, dude. And... Like, if you want to talk about, man, knowing your worth, it's like, God, you know, you, you hear that, and um, there's a guy, I, I, I follow Andy Frazella, and he has a very, uh, in, he has a one take on it, which kind of contradicts this, but like, like, fucking, you want to talk about knowing your worth, like, holy shit, like, that changed my whole fucking perspective on that on that topic, because it was like, I feel like I, I didn't even know like what I was doing. I didn't really. To me, it's easy. Maybe to somebody else, it wasn't very because it, it was maybe difficult for them. But I'm just like, holy shit! You're giving me peanuts 
while you're fucking taking a huge fucking share. Like, you're almost making $100, and I'm just getting, you're just like, here, here you go. Here you go. And that changed my whole fucking perspective. So when that contract ended, I'm just like, you know what, man? Let me just fucking figure some shit out. And so I just took like six months and just worked on my own shit. And just recently, you know, took another contract job just to fucking just fill in. I'm like, all right, well, this is going to pay me the most right now where I can do the least so I can keep doing what I want to fucking do. Because, I mean, fuck them. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it's it's all about them. So I want to try to build a life to where I can actually help people and provide value and, and not just give away my time. Yeah. Time's too valuable, man. And, and there's a, a lot of little traps like that out there. So the next time I, I found a job that was comparable and it was time, it was actually through an agency. And those agencies, they're very predatory, I came to find out, because what they'll do is, yeah, we'll get you a job in here and, and you know, Here's this carrot at the end of the road. You do well, this company will probably hire you, but you work for us. Um, while you're working for us, you know what? You don't get any days off. Uh, you don't get any sick days. You, you just show up. Here's your, your hourly rate. And and so whenever I started working at Magellan and they were in behavioral health and all my experience was in physical health, but they were trying to merge the two and add on physical health. So I had some skills they could use. And when I got in there and I was helping them with it, you know, at, f at first I'm like, okay, you know, I'm kind of excited for it. This company doesn't seem like a bunch of dicks. Maybe I can get in here and, and make something out of this. And as I kept going on and on, I'm like, this company's making money off of me. And, and my brother was gone at the time. And I, I had a really hard time when my middle brother joined the military and didn't hardly ever get to see him. And he was coming back one time and I told him, hey, man, I, I'd like this Friday off because my family's going on a week-long vacation. I know I'm not going to get those days. If I could work uh, four 10-hour days and get Friday off, could that be possible? You know, like, please, sir, can I have some, some scraps, you know? And yeah. I felt like a bitch groveling for it because I thought it was a reasonable request just to have it off, you know? Don't pay me then, okay? But then they try to act like you're the problem because you want to spend time with your family. And, and when it came down to it, then they were like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, I got, I got some stuff that you need, you know? And matter of fact... If you want me to help you with this, I've looked around. I'm the only one doing this. I need a raise. And that worked out in my favor on the short term because then I got a $7 an hour raise that day. And I, I knew what was coming, like, when I got that kind of money from them. And, and anytime they can call you and, and no face interaction, no feedback. It's just they'll, they'll have some random dude call you, hey, your job's done. Oh, really? it's, it's the most cowardly shit, man. Like, oh, at least shake God. my hand and thank me for the time and – yeah, but you know they they were always afraid like oh because they know what I did like I was gonna lose my shit and I'm like no I'm more balanced than you are guys I can take news but so you know I got the call and I was like okay cool whatever you know I helped them do what they were gonna do and and it's just like I went for another interview somewhere else and and here's what they do like you'll interview or you'll you'll apply for a job and they're like yeah come on in for an interview and then then you'll come in and then they'll go. Uh, well, you're not really qualified for this job, but we have this job over here that can help you. And at one point, I, I, I did lose my temper in this interview, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a, a woman about my age, and it wasn't really her I was lashing out at. But I'm like, why do you guys do this shit? I'm like, you guys are fucking predators. Why did you tell me to come in and interview for this job when you're just going to stick me in a hole with this other one and take half the money of that job? I said, you guys are what's wrong with this world because you're, you're preying on college kids, and, and there's a fucking problem with that. And then this one guy comes in. He's like, well, what's going on in here? And I'm like, hey, man, look, here's what you guys fucking do. I want you to know what your business practices are, and you can convince yourself of anything otherwise, 
but you're not helping anybody in this world because we don't get any days off to spend with our family. We don't, this is like indentured servitude. Like we get to come in, we get to work and, oh, thank you, sir. I'm so glad. But if anything ever happens in our lives, we're an at will thing. If we need a day off to take care of something personal, if someone needed daycare service on an emergency basis and they couldn't find one, had to take off for their kids, they could be f- called and, and not brought back for that. Yeah. So they, they string you along at minimum payment and they kind of have you under the thumb, like, oh, you need anything, you know, you're, you're the problem, you know, not let's be decent human beings. Oh, you had an emergency today? That's fine. You know what? We live in a, a digital world. Here's, you have a laptop anyway. Why don't you just work from home today? Do what you can. Take a half day if you need to. Yeah. Because no matter what happens, when you show up the next day, the work's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. So it's uh, just some of the practices I've seen out there. It, it just drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, man. I mean, there's just a whole slew of systems in place that just support each other, um, that kind of keep things perpetual and, and, ha- and ha- the way they are. And um, fuck, I don't know what the answer, are, you know, answer is or what all of the answers are, but we definitely got to start having some fucking conversations about them. I think they're going to be forced to, especially as as we age. I don't know when that'll happen because everybody can talk all this shit about oh everybody everybody needs a job, everybody needs to work hard, but there's not going to be enough jobs for everybody at some point because what was the job of a secretary 20, 30 years ago, now someone can do on a computer, you know, or yeah. that you can have some college student do for you part-time. And a lot of these jobs, they just won't be coming back. Yeah, technology is changing the world we live in, for sure. Yeah. What are we going to do when when cars are, we finally figure out, you know, how to get them to, to drive on their own and, and we're not worried about them fucking killing anybody just yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what then? You know, there's a whole class of of mostly men, you know, fucking who are undereducated, who won't have jobs. And looking for someone to blame that they don't have the jobs. Yeah. And so if they get semi-trucks to start driving themselves, yeah. like, if you just look at that demographics, a bunch of white males are going to lose their yeah. way of living. And so what, what do they pivot to? Do they go to IT jobs? <laughs> I mean... At a certain point, there's enough self-automation out there, and not everybody can be an entrepreneur, but what, what do you move to? It's not like Thanos is going to show up and snap his fingers, and then, okay, the population's under control. But it's yeah, it's really weird. It's like some people are moving to like a uh, universal basic income. I don't even know if that could be something that could be done, but if you were to nix away maybe Social Security and, and all that and just replace it with that and put the sovereignty into their hands, but then people see that as a handout. But at a certain point in time, what, are you just going to have a permanent underclass of citizens like they do in India? Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I'm, it's, I'm glad you said that because I was about to ask you what you thought, well, you know, what your thoughts on that were because, I mean, it almost seems like it's like, inevi- like an inevitable thing that we would have to move towards because there just won't be enough jobs for for everybody to do. There won't be enough. Life is getting too easy, right? And yeah. technology is taking the place of a lot of the things that we do. So, I mean, at a certain point, wh- when do we as a fucking species or, you know, when do we just finally realize, like, we don't always have to be working and producing, you know, widgets all the fucking time? It's that old school Puritan mindset. It's it's weird. They still haven't been able to shake it. And it's not that the next generation is lazy. The next generation is asking why. Yeah. Well, why do I have to commit this much time to that? 
because that's what you grew up with. I think we can do it a better way. Oh, no, you're just lazy. No, um, I can get this job done in 30 hours. Why isn't that considered full-time? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you can get it done in way less time. You're just sitting there wasting well, time. In an office, whenever we would get big projects, I know sometimes I'd be like, okay, I can be on this all week, and I'd have it done within two days. But I knew if I gave them that early, then I get someone else's project. Right. So I was only playing the fair game there, like the Tour de France. Everybody's on the shit at the same time. I was just playing the game like everybody else was. But it's it's going to be inter- interesting to see how it all plays out because it's something simple like, okay, we got to work 40 hours. That's the minimum. And I'm like, okay, well, so now you guys have taken away the mandate of health care. Whatever. Okay, people got to buy into it. Why don't we then just change what's considered full-time work? Because if 40 hours a week is full-time work, how about we just nix an hour off everyone else's day? Let's say 35 hours would be full-time work. Every seven jobs, you create another job, and everybody else has another hour to invest in themselves or their family. Something simple like that. But no, there's too much blowback because that's not how we've done things. And, yeah. you know, it's yeah. at a certain point, that perspective has to open up. And I'm hoping... And maybe I'm just stuck in my little bubble and I hear the conversations I like to hear. I'm hoping that these conversations are starting to come up. But then not to delve into politics or anything because we don't need to go into specifics or names. But it seems like every now and then there's kind of a pushback for things to go be the way they were. Like yeah. now we got an attorney general wanting to bring back the war on drugs. And we got people wanting to be like, oh, we got to get all these coal jobs back. And I'm like, coal? Yeah, yeah. And, and let's just – we keep saying they. It's – I'm going to put very specific blame on one fucking generation, and it's the goddamn baby boomers. Yes. And I've fucking ran about this all day because it drives me insane. Um, I, I read a book, and it, it was maybe it was just confirmation bias for me, but it was called uh, Baby Boomers, um, A Generation of Sociopaths. And it's just example after example after example of, of just different things that they've done. And really what it all boils down to is everything that was enacted by them, all these laws, all of these, just all these different things, they were all put into place only pretty much to serve them during the time that they're here. And it's, you know, there's no coincidence that Social Security is running out as they are running out. You know what I mean? Like, there are just countless things um, that, that, that was done in only their best interest. Well, and I kind of feel like, whenever it came time to be able to change and adapt for the the next generation, because they were all beneficiaries of FDR's policies, Mm -hmm. Social Security and and all that, and post-war and coming home and there's jobs and women entering the workforce. That was probably the biggest boom we had in our country. And then when it came time for other stuff to change, and, and whether anybody liked Obama or not, there was a lot of stuff that they were trying to change. Whether right for right or wrong, it seemed like they were trying to set up some policies that could at least start a lot of these conversations. And all of a sudden, no, nope, we're not doing this. We're not giving up this power. We're not, it was like, you guys don't want to help kids that need, you know, healthcare or people with pre-existing conditions. Technically, when I was going through all my medical stuff, I had a pre-existing condition. It was misdiagnosed, but the medication for it at the time cost eight grand every two months. Right. So what, fuck me, I'm supposed to die? Like, I'm not supposed to live like you did because I, I just drew the wrong card. Now, there's an element of Darwinism in there if you want to be black and white about it. Okay, like if you have that opinion, I can I can kind of respect that. But don't then tell me you care about people and you're going to live by the golden rule. And right. it, you got to pick a side, man. You got to pick a team. It can't just be conditional. 
Yeah, yeah, because it, what it all boils down to is just how does it benefit them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, are you about to say something? No. Um, yeah, the... Uh, oh, I lost my train you of thought. Train of thought. I lost my train of thought, dude. Uh, no problem. Deep, deep down the rabbit hole, so... But it's, it does... We were talking about baby boomers. It yeah. feels like, now that you've said it, they they really did well for themselves. They did not set themselves up for us. Like, I'm not very old. I'm 32. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot to learn, a lot of perspective. Yeah. I don't have any children. I would think the, the best thing you could do when you are getting ready to depart or you're, you're the ones that are driving how the world is, I would think you would have to not just think about yourself, but what kind of world are you, are you leaving behind? What kind of ladder are you leaving for those behind you? And is it going to be better? And everybody gets caught up in stupid little things. So yeah. instead of seeing the macro of it all, they look at the little micro things. Like it's like this little stupid news story now can mask the fact that, hey, guys, we're gutting your health care, but it's right. good for you. Yeah, you know, you would hope so. I mean, I guess that's just kind of where the whole idea of, them being sociopaths coming to play they just don't give a fuck but i mean there's what i don't understand is we do know better we know that there's better ways to do things i just don't understand why it's so complicated to do better you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's just a whole convoluted process you just have to go through all this bureaucracy all this red tape like why why does change have to be so difficult but I mean, it's just the world we live in. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just, I just ask the question. I don't know. And it's really weird because change for us, if we have the answer, it feels like it should be quicker. But over history, like change has taken some time. But at the same time, it seems like, okay, the date is there, guys. Uh, yeah. Let's go. And so I'm curious. Not that I'm wishing all of them die off, but I'm curious as they depart from us, and and we are the ones that that age and and run this how much change there can actually come, but it all depends on who thinks about those things. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see something. I mean, obviously one thing that affects all of us is school has far out, you know, exceeded, you know, this cost of school has far exceeded what, uh, inflation. And when the, when the boomers went to school, it was super cheap. You could go to, you could work during the summer and cover tuition and then on top of that, you could it was eligible for bankruptcy, which is no longer eligible for bankruptcy because it was so it was so taken advantage of. You know what I mean? So I mean we're just kind of stuck in in a place to where when we get out of school, like you said, we're, we're piled on with debt. Um, or you know a lot of folks are myself included, right? We just pile on debt, so you're forced to just kind of you're it's it's almost like an indentured servitude. Yeah, it's and it's crazy. My master's in, is in education and. You know, not to pop myself on my back, but I notice a lot more details than most people do. And this is little things. Like, I remember watching a documentary in one of the master's classes, and they were like, oh, let's talk about Finland. Why, why do you think Finland's school districts? And everybody's like, well, they do it this way, they do it that way, they do it this way. And I'm like, yeah. you guys are missing the main point. They're a homogenous society. They're all white people. Relatively the same. It's easy. And you know what? Their school system is not tied to their community's funding. So how is any low-income level school in a low-income, you know, area, if it's all based on tax dollars, how are they ever going to turn it around? Right. And uh, I, 
the system of it is it kind of turned me off to it. It, it it's all tied to school testing and little things that now that I look back on, I wish I would have been taught. Like, you guys didn't tell me how interest compounds. I should have known that before I took a student loan. Yeah. Uh, no one ever sended me or sent me a, a bill that I had to solve an equation for. They directly told me exactly what they wanted me to have. I didn't have those kinds of life skills. Nutrition, I learned all that on my own. And, you know, there was a lot of falsehoods along the way. Like, this is good for you. This isn't good for you. This yeah. is bad for you. And, and over time, I found my own truth. But they did not equip me with the ability to think like I had to learn in college. Yeah. And the, I had one instructor in my undergrad, thankfully, that one time he goes, he's like, you guys aren't here to just recall data. He's like, you're here to make an opinion and, and defend it. And not only defend it, he goes, but I need you to be informed on the other side so you can yeah. make a counterpoint. And once you make the counterpoint, then you draw a conclusion. He goes, I don't need you regurgitating things you've read. He goes, that's all you've done all your life. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, I get what you're saying. And I'm like, that was that was life-changing. When my youngest brother went to college, I actually told him that. I go, Jake, don't worry about what you know, what you don't know, because no matter what your interest is in, you can fix that. I said, what I, my goal for you to go in there, no pressure, is I want you to be able to collect data, form an opinion of things you care about. Who cares if, you know, you have to do it for some assignments. I said, but be able to back it up, be able to make a, a collective argument, have an opinion, and, and not just an uneducated one. I said, but that's thinking, that's knowledge. If you don't know how to think, what do you know how to do? That's right. a skill. Thinking is an absolute skill. Yeah, and you have to develop it. You know, you have to challenge the mind. You have to do hard shit. You know, make yourself uncomfortable. You know, strengthen the mind through physical activity, um, and you also have to, you know, strengthen it by the knowledge that you fucking put into it, dude. So my little brother just graduated high school. He's eighteen. You met him. And, dude, I told him, dude, take a year off. It's College isn't going anywhere. No, it's always there. You know, if you want to go do it, absolutely do it. But take a year off. So many kids just go right into that. No plan. You don't know what you're doing. So you're going to take on all this debt to figure your, your shit out? No, figure your shit out and then go to school for what you want. And while you're figuring your shit out, hey, go make some money. You know what I mean? Don't put yourself in debt and you know, drink away all your fucking brain cells. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's just what they told us. College is next. College is next. This I, is I next. remember I got into an argument with the counselor in high school because they had these different levels. They had a university prep, a, a technical prep, and, and all this stuff. And and in Spanish, you had to take Spanish, they said. They told me this. This is 2001 through 2004. I went through high school, or 2000, 2004. And they're like, you can't get into college if you don't take Spanish. And I'm like, okay. And at first I believed them, and I got in, and I'm like, I just fucking hate this. I'm like, it, nothing against, you know, Spanish language. It's just not for me. I don't, I don't really care, you know? Yeah. And so I went there and I dropped it and they're like, well, you won't be able to get in college. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It wasn't even a fucking issue, but they just told me, I kind of lucked into being like out of spite. I'm like, fuck you, watch, I'll do it. Cause I was sitting in class. I'm, like, I'm not doing anything in this class. This is a waste of time. I need to be taking another class. And I got in there and I didn't ever need to know it. And now they're going to have everything translate for us. That's what I was telling them back then. I'm like, you know, it's not going to matter in the future. It's like something will be able to translate this for you. And here I am. I prophesize Google Translate at least, you know? Yeah, it's available. I still <laughs> – I took Spanish, and um, I failed Spanish too. I just um, – I was just you know, a young kid. I smoked a lot of pot before school, and I fucking slept through Spanish every day. So I still have this, this inner urge to learn Spanish. I haven't got Rosetta Stone. One day I'm going to fucking learn it. But right now <laughs> – 
<laughs> right now, I'm super ignorant. But yeah, dude, you don't you don't need it. Um, you don't absolutely need it to to graduate high school or to get into college. Um, there is just a, a whole lot of things that were presented as truths that you know. There's just other ways to do things. Yeah, and as I get older, I'm like, was that actually their truth, or was that a protection mechanism? I I don't know. You know, and, and maybe it's just perpetuating what they were told and it's just well this is how you know it's that this is how things were always done mentality you know what i mean which is cancerous i would have loved a critical thinking class and a philosophy class of some sort in my in my uh high school years and then when i was finishing up my master's degree i took a course it wasn't even an elective i just i needed the it wasn't a required one so i just took it as an elective and it was talking about the different learning styles of people and this is the last course I took in all my education outside of high school, which was, what, about eight years worth? And then at the last course I have taken to date outside of, you know, anything else that I've read on my own, it's talking about different learning styles people have. And I'm yeah. like, this would have been helpful as a kid to know. Like, maybe I don't learn from, because I'll sit there and sometimes I'm like, man, I'm not into this course. Am I the issue here? Do I just not like this guy? Yeah. Is Or... You know, is it a personality clash? Because I clashed with a lot of English teachers because I'm like, your grades are subjective. Your yeah. grades are subjective. It's not one plus one equals two. So the fact that whether you like me or not is playing into your grade. No, 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 it's not. And I go, actually, I tested you because I copied off the girl right next to me who got an A and I got a C. I worded it differently, but the – and me and <laughs> – I'm a junior, right? So I've always pushed back on people. It's just I, it's just in my genetics. And, and so I called her out on it in front of everybody, and, and it's trying to make me out to be like an asshole. But here I'm like, here I have proof that this is subjective as shit. Yeah. And she goes, well, now you got an F on. I'm like, that's fine. I made my point, you know? Right. And it, let me, what was I saying there? It's, oh, I wish I would have spent more time on, on them developing, you know, how to think, how to find correlations between things and uh, learning styles. Like, I don't learn this way. I learn visually and taking my own notes while someone shows me something. Yeah. It, why does everything got to be so cookie cutter? I'm standing here. Here's our PowerPoint. And before PowerPoint, you remember the overhead projectors? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Or, you know, even better, when you were a kid and that TV came in on the stand, you oh, knew it was going to be a good day. Came, oh, yeah. Man, and heaven forbid if they fucking brought in some popcorn. Oh. Everybody got a little popcorn on a napkin. But, I mean, I did kind of – I subbed in the school districts for a while, too. And it was kind of interesting to see some of those kids. And, and you know, I, usually when you're subbing, you're not really teaching. You're kind of giving them work and you're – kind of telling them and and they knew who i was because i'd go to their open mat wrestling practices and wrestle because those kids would come at you man yeah. and I, I gained a lot from that but you know they'd be like what if i don't want to do this worksheet and i'd be like okay you know and because they'll they'll test you they will test you and so i'd be like okay that's fine if you don't want to do it that's fine you can listen to your headphones i'm not going to argue with you i said but keep it down so the kids that don't want to work at mcdonald's can do it and those kids were like oh shit he just said that and i was like hey man look i had to do it too it doesn't necessarily mean I like it. We're all just here. I'm like, just get it done. And then in cases where I could tell them where it would apply to them, yeah, okay. Here's where this would apply to you. Is Or is this busy work? I'll be like, guys, I'm not going to lie. This is busy work, but this is something you got to do. Or, okay, guys, here's where you can use this at a later date. I know it doesn't make any sense now, but this kind of help you. If you think of it in this way, it could help you learn how to budget later or something like that. Yeah, no, that's life, man. Sometimes you just have to do shit you don't want to do. Um, you know, one thing I have noticed – um, you know, up at my kids' school, uh, there are a lot of teachers that are um, really aren't taking into account the different learning styles. Um, like even in my daughter's um, class, like the teacher has like 
some kids can like sit on the floor. They have like soft areas. Like some kids can go sit on their knees. Like they have all of these like they're kind of free to move for what's comfortable for them. So they're not like just stuck sitting in this desk like all day. So there's definitely some teachers that are kind of taking that into play, which is kind of cool to see. Um, but they are they're, they're still stuck by you know these are the state guidelines and regulations. You know you got to still we want you to progress at this rate by the end of you know fourth grade. You got to be reading at at this number. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like well, their funding is completely tied to those test results. It's almost like <laughs> it's like I always joke with somebody like when I hit 35 and I'm eligible to run for president or you know some type of office, I'll be the guy that'll fight for you. But my platform will be we're going to legalize marijuana statewide and the funds are going to go to your kids' school systems. How's that sound? Not the lottery, not nothing else. How about the best thing you have going on? How about your kids? Let's yeah. get them some technology. Let's get them in there. And, and let's not worry about shutting these schools down and penalizing them. Uh, everybody's like, oh, well, teachers need to get paid more. That's cool. That's cool for you to say. Uh, what are you doing to, yeah. to make sure that comes up? Because when referendums in your hometown come by and you don't want to pay $30 more uh, a year or a month or however that math works out so your kids have a better style. Or maybe you don't have kids and you don't give a shit. But what yeah. kind of, how are you investing in your community? And then you got the people, like, there's this big group now, taxation staff, taxation staff. They didn't always tax us like this. I'm like, okay, um, I don't like taxes either, but I like roads. You know, I need those. Yeah. Well, they did, they had roads back then, and there wasn't taxes. I'm like, you're talking, what, 1915? Like, what kind yeah. of roads did they have? Did they have the vehicles that we had now? Yeah. You know, it's like, guys, no one likes taxes, but part of your police protection and yeah. all yeah. that other stuff kind of goes into it. And it's like, if they could just... How about you tax the luxury good that, you know, yeah. a lot of people seem to like, seems to be working in California. Yeah. I mean, I mean, or not California, Colorado, but I think California has done something similar, but taxes suck. I mean, it's a part of it though. I mean, how about we, there's just so many, you know, inefficiencies happening. Why, you know, like you, you actually, you said, you know, taxes, you know, they're paying for our police. Why don't we change some of our systems so that way, we're not wasting money on paying our police to do shit th that we don't need them to do. You know what I mean? Why are they fucking knocking down doors to go bust people for having a plant? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why Why are they doing that? We have them wasting their time and we're wasting money doing things. And, and there's – it's across the board. You know, there's inefficiencies everywhere. So we got to clean up a lot of that. And and then maybe our tax money will be used to something that's useful. You know what I mean? So it's like it's it's a part of it. You know we we got to clean up a whole bunch of different things. Um, you know, and that's just fucking. This is just a part of it. Sometimes you got to do shit you don't want to do, and I want to have a better society. So let's pay your fucking taxes. Yeah, it's taxes are a bitch. And then even then, when I get a, a speeding ticket every now and then. Uh, Part of me is like, okay, yeah, I did. But part of me is like, don't you have better shit to do? Yeah, you know, that's part of it. You know, like, it's like, what? Couldn't you be doing something better with your time than pulling me? Cause you're obviously just trying to get funds right now. Yeah. That's whenever I kind of feel like taxation is theft. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, man. Like, all right, I'm going ten miles an out, like an hour over on the fucking highway. Who are you protecting right now? Am I gonna hit somebody? Like, because I just went ten miles an hour over, but it just is what it is. I don't know. I went on a rant there on taxes, but. Um, Back to the point with kind of school and education and shit, at least we have all these resources now, you know, podcasts, you have books on tape. If you don't want to read a fucking book, at least you can go to Audible, go listen to a book. You know, 
there's countless people that you can connect with on on social and you can learn from like there's just we have direct access to just so many people and i mean fuck i mean there's no reason to be to be ignorant dude i just got my kids these books two of them from jocko willink fucking my son's so pumped about that and then i bought annie frizella's book these kids books fucking it has all of these principles that we're talking about like in these books and i try to teach my kids that and and i live by these principles and they see that but for them to be able to like read it in a different medium it just it just connects to them a lot different so i can tell by the titles yeah so that book like those books are great for my daughter the the ones written by jocko um those are for my son and those he's he's going into fifth grade they just really relate to him and and for the folks listening if you guys aren't familiar with jocko willink you know he's a retired navy seal um he's written a, a lot of great well, he wrote Extreme Ownership um, with him and his partner, Leif Babin. And um, Leif was also a – he's a retired Navy SEAL, and they have a company called Echelon Front. And they're just doing a lot of great things in leadership. Um, so Jocko wrote some kids' books. And then I follow Andy Frizzella real closely. He owns Stuff in the Superstore um, and First Form, and I think he has a whole slew of other companies. And he's based here in St. Louis, and he wrote some children's books because, I mean, we got to start teaching the kids and, and, you know, teaching them how to eat right and start giving them these principles, dude. And I just thought those books were the coolest thing. Like, I had to, I just had to get those for them. These are awesome. Yeah. When I was a kid, I read everything I get my hands on. There wasn't much technology then, but I remember being in first grade. Our teacher would actually read to us. Like, she read us the original L. Frank Baum, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that book was cool. So I was first grade, went down to the school library. I started reading it. My mom's like, what are you reading that for? I'm like, I want to. And she was like, really? So she started making sure I could read whatever I wanted to get my hands on. And a lot of them were the Goosebumps books later. But do you remember the Scholastic Book Fair or whenever oh, you could order books? And when that box came in, you're like, oh. And then oh. even as a kid, I kind of felt guilty because I'd be like, oh, man, this book's like five ninety five. I wonder if I could pull that. And now looking back on it, I wish I would ask for more books because I would ask for some of them. And a lot of them, I was fascinated with Storms as a kid. So I'd be getting all these Storm books, these Storm Chaser books, and which was a great show. And they canceled it so they could have some fucking reality TV show. But these books like this, this reminds me of those little Golden Bear books, uh, Bernstein Bears books. Yeah. It's the same size. But if I'd have had something like this, this would have put in some type of messaging earlier on about Man. thinking outside of the box. Like this is this is awesome. Man, just there's so many great resources. It just it blows me away. Um, I I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, but I was listening. I, I follow a guy named Ben Greenfield in health and fitness, and he had said something that no matter no matter what, like if his kids ask for a book, he'll just buy it. You know, to teach them like the, like this is just the value that we place on books in this household. Like it's that important. Like whatever book that you want, you ask for it, we'll buy it. So, like, I'm just like, you know what? Fuck, man. That's what I need to do. Like, if they want a book, I'm going to go buy it for them. So, like, it's just that important in our house. So, yeah, whenever those book fairs come up and whatnot, like, I buy them books. And um, whatever they're into, I'll, I'll get them a book. But in these, one of them, I think it's just, it's uh, Charlie the Bulldog's Daring Dreams. Dude, I need to go to the store today and, and get it. But they're talking about making a vision board. Like that's what it's about. It's like let's let's make a dream board, and it's fun to work hard, and we we plan for the next day. Let's make a list. So yeah, man. So I'm gonna go get some. We're gonna 
do uh, do vision boards whenever I get my kids this next week. It, you know what's funny is that now that I look back on it and I see that book, uh, I realize that I loved reading as a kid, and school made me hate reading. Probably about junior high, high school, I stopped. They were like forcing these books down our throats and and certain reports and all that. And I, I know where the intent was. It wasn't, fuck you guys, here you go, here's some bitch work. It was, I'm sure they were there for a reason, but I guess the approach was a little off because I always felt like I had something better to do in that class time when they were trying to make us read because I guess they didn't explain the context of it like here's a book this is our assignment not like here's a book here's why we're reading this let's go over this concept and, and what this guy's actually trying to say because I remember we that we were supposed to read 1984 freshman year of high school and looking back on it, I still haven't read the book but I understand the concept of it now especially as I get older big brother and all that they didn't really emphasize why we were reading that or the historical perspective or you know how other countries can live in this kind of way and if you aren't careful and then i saw v for vendetta and i'm like oh oh now it makes sense now it makes sense and and they didn't need to show a movie like v for vendetta for me to get it but they could have at least been like you guys need to kind of see this because the world you live in is kind of in a bubble so read it and we'll discuss it not like today's chapter one oh chapter two here's a worksheet yeah as I got to the point where there was discussions on things and this, so I've had some good educators and one of them, I had this guy, it was, we were reading primary source material. My degree was in history. It was going to be in, in teaching social sciences. And then I just switched to history because of all the medical stuff I was before the ACA was passed. I was going to lose health insurance and I had $8,000 I was going to have to pay. So I was trying to graduate. So I get health insurance because yeah. at the time when you turn past 23, you were off your parents' plan. So that was another big benefit of that plan that a lot of people discredited. But so I was trying to graduate and I had to take this class and this guy was just a fucking brain. You ever been around those guys that you're like, okay, sometimes I feel like I can't communicate with normal people, but this guy I can't even communicate with. You're like, yeah. oh, like, you're really fucking smart. So we would read this stuff and I'd show up to class like, fuck, man, I like this was this was hard read. It was rough. And so he'd get in there and he'd ask everybody what they got from it. And I'd be like, um, yeah. And then finally he was like, look, guys. You're not going to understand it the way I do because I've been reading this. I understand this. He goes, have you ever done something one time and mastered it? He goes, what you're going to come in is just tell me what you got from it. No pressure. And we'll have a discussion. And I'm like, why, why, why couldn't we just have it like this? All This is like a philosophy course. Like you come in and you discuss it. And then at that point, something somebody else saw because of their experience was different than what I saw. There was no right or wrong answer. It was more the concept. Right. Gaining perspective. Yeah. And it's like it was eye opening. Yeah, no. Um I didn't I didn't even get into I didn't even start enjoying reading until I was already at like out of school and out, like out of college. Like I, after my undergrad, I took 3 years between undergrad and grad school and um at a certain point I worked as a security card third shift. I did that for about 9 months and all I did was read. I just read like I read so many books. Ah, fuck. I was reading a book like every three days, and then from there I started enjoying reading. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if, if it's just how it's presented and whatnot. Yeah, growing up, reading kind of sucks, and you see that now. I try not to. Um, so like, if if my kids like they fuck up, and I'm like, oh well, you just lost your iPad. Like you're not going to be able to to play, or you know what? You know you got to punish them in some way. And um, I don't want to be like, all right, well now you can't be on your iPad, and I go read a fucking book. This is punishment. 
And unfortunately, a lot of people do that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, no more TV, no more iPad, no more phone, no more electronics. Go read a book. Go sit down and read a book. And that becomes punishment. So you get this negative association with it. And I'm sure that probably happened to me as a kid at some point. I don't know. Maybe maybe it didn't. Yeah, it's... I wish I could pinpoint when I lost that love of reading as a kid. Because I remember one day, it was the day, that Scholastic box came in, and Goosebumps was the shit. I could read those quick. They were good. Egg Monsters from Mars came in. I was really looking forward to this book because the Goosebumps show was out and had the commercial. You know, I bit into the the fucking advertisements. I wanted this book. It came in in the morning, too. And I'm sitting there in fourth grade, and my teacher was Miss Hartzell at the time. Comes out, and I just start reading it, and she's trying to do some work. And in my head, I'm like, nah, fuck this. I read that book the entire day, and I finished it. And I was like, I don't have a clue what we did, but today was a great day, you know? (laughs) But even then, it was like, I see little bits of me rebelling, and I'm just like, yeah, fuck your math and and your spelling. I got all that shit. Like, this isn't, this isn't, I want to know what the story is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fucking knew it all, man. Don't we all at that age? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was was a good time. I, I try not to, I can get lost in that, of missing the old days. And I think there's a lot of, good that can be taken from it but when it becomes a sense of fuck i miss that so bad what could i do to get that back yeah and is real yeah it's it can draw you it can draw you down in it can kind of bum you out because you kind of miss those times and then you're like man i didn't i didn't understand what i had then like i always was a kind of ahead of the game like everybody whenever we were graduating high school they were all like oh i can't wait to get fucking out of here and i'm like all right you guys know what's next though right like real life is out there like that protection's gone. No, no, fuck school. I'm, I'm, dude. I had a good time here. You know, I, I, I was living good. You know. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely remember a time thinking that. Um, yeah, I was like, man, you're gonna go to work and you're gonna work full time, and it's like, dude, school's really easy. I'm not really in that big of a rush. School's really easy. I'm kind of chilling. Um, but then on the flip side of that, it's like, fuck, man, once you start, do you start working and then like you're working and going to school? It's like, man, I really can't wait to probably cut out the school because it, 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 it takes quite a bit of time writing these papers and shit. Like I wouldn't mind just kind of being done after work. What's crazy is I found school easier to do when I was working because I had to prioritize my time. I couldn't fuck around. Yeah. Yeah, you want something done, give it to to the busiest person, you know, that you fucking know. So, but, I mean, and then that just goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? That fucking vicious cycle, right? Like, you don't want to fucking do shit after work, right? So, it's like, well, let me get done with school so that way I can get right back to doing nothing. Yeah, it, I can't sit and do nothing, man. Like, part of me, I wish, I wish I could. But, uh, and my dad's kind of like that. I got, he's kind of stir crazy. He'll kind of get on our nerves. Like, we'll go on a vacation and it's not really relaxing with him around because he's always wanting to get up, wanting to do stuff. And um, sometimes I'm like, you know, today I do just kind of want to sit here because I feel like I've earned it because the only time I can ever make myself slow down was in instances where I had an injury or I took a cut. I remember one time I took a cut and I wanted to play this video game that I just, I couldn't do because I was busy training and doing all my shit. I went to GameStop on the way home after my eye was glued, bought this fucking Wii U and I was playing Legend of Zelda Wind Waker that night. I'm like, fuck it. This is the only time I can cash in on this because if I'm sitting around playing video games, the other time I feel like a piece of shit, there's other stuff I should be doing and my posture's going to shit. You know, just little, little fucking pieces of burden that I have going on. Yeah, dude, there's always something to do, man. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. There's always something to do. Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't fucking not do something. I always got to be productive. So I'm just trying to fill my time with things that I love, right? Um, but dude, so what, uh, what's next for you? What do you got coming up? 
nothing scheduled, nothing planned. What I envision is, you know, like at 32, I feel like I'm I'm ready to test myself at the next level however to get there I don't know a lot of this game is politics and who you know and but if there's a direct path there I I would like to have a hand at trying to I want that shamrock belt if that's the way to get there let me do it I had that belt at 170 as an ami I think it'd be cool to have it as a pro and Busia won the last one and and he had a tough go to get there he had to go through you Volker and then he had to go through Highfield and a strength to schedule like that doesn't scare me. It actually, I mean, that sounds fun. That's yeah. that's that's a good challenge. I, I don't know unless I'm doing difficult shit. I, I'm not balanced, and it, it sounds really weird. And at times I wish it was different. But anytime I I try and take a little time off, mm-hmm. I get I get antsy, man. I just something's not right. Yeah, I feel like you're wasting time. Well, someday I'm gonna have to deal with that, and I don't know what that'll be. But everybody I've talked to that when they say they're done fighting, the first thing I always ask them usually is, "Where are you at peace? Do you get up and you have that itch like you have to complete something? and Or, or do you feel like you've accomplished enough where you can rest a bit? Because I don't, I don't have that. Like I'll have that in moments, like a week, like a whole training week. If I get everything done on the weekend, my meal prep's done. By the time I'll get to sit down, it's probably Sunday night at 7 o'clock. And you know what I'll do? I'll try and find some movie to watch because I've fucking earned that goddamn movie. And I want to sit there and I want to relax. And you know what? The next week it starts all over again. And in that moment, that's the one time I can take a little solace and go, <sighs> okay, today was, a, this was a productive week. Yeah. I'm going to have this moment and then I got to climb up the mountain of next week. Yeah. And it's, it's a gift and it's a curse at the same time. And uh, some days more than others. And it's just a constant phase of dissatisfaction so even that last fight it was great to win but already the next time i'm like you know it should have felt a little bit better than that too yeah, uh it's I, tough. I just want a path i just want a path i i don't want i feel like it's time to just kind of see where this is going the competitive window doesn't get any better i'm not afraid of anybody so but i'm not really stoked to make 170 anymore unless there's some some real good stakes to it i don't want to do it just just for the hell of it I mean, that shit sucks. And I've moved up a weight class and fought a guy much bigger than me with a staph infection and manhandled him. So regionally, I'm not really worried about any 85ers. There's really only one that's really any good, like, top-notch, and that's Johnny Eblen. And he's he's going to be the next big thing, I think. And really, I, I just kind of want to keep testing myself. My jiu-jitsu game is getting scary good. Like, I wish I would have started in, in the gi and been around that group more than, than I I had been before because as I got there, I'm like, man, a lot of these other guys, teammates and, and friends and people that I, I had networked with, they were starting to have kids or, or move on to something else. And, and the people that come up behind you, all of a sudden you're looking around and there's not as many peers anymore. You got people behind you going, hey, how do I do this? You know? And you're like, how do I keep pushing myself? Because I can't give all what I have because I'm not done learning, you know? So I started trying to work with more specialists, and, and jiu-jitsu was the easiest path to that by putting on the gi and working with those guys, and I'm like, oh, this is a completely different completely different world. And I don't necessarily like the gi much. Like, I like it, but I also hate it. Like, I hate going with guys that that's all that they do is grab on the fucking gi. I'm yeah. like, you got to have something else, man. Like, get an underhook, come up, try and do a sweep. But if you're just grabbing my collar, I get fucking mean with them. I'm not going to lie. Like, 
I'm like, don't do that shit to me because I'll put my crown right on their chin and I'll bury them right into the mat and I'll bully their face and they'll try these little fucking cute collar chokes and I'll put my hand over their face. I'll defend the choke. I'll put my hand over their face so they can't breathe and then they let go of the choke. I'm like, yeah, okay. Because as far as the sport aspect of jujitsu, I think a lot of them are too far onto those rule sets. Whereas like you're not going to rest in deep half out in the fucking street because you're going to get hammers dropped on you, you know? Yeah. So I think a lot of the applications lost there. So I try and find the way to apply it for my art. So the art form of martial arts is what you make of it. So I try and find a way to just balance everything. It makes you tighter. You, I find myself using my feet more like hands. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy a lot of people I have through there. And you're just not going to get the same level of work from the MMA guys that you get from the jiu-jitsu guys. Yeah. It's, it's been kind of crazy to see everything evolve and then you know you put on the gi a couple times and then you go to your mma rounds and you're like oh shit where did that come from like all of a sudden no one's touching you in certain aspects and it's fun it's kind of rewarding and and that community is a great great community to be tapped into because we're all after the same shit we're all a bunch of alpha nerds you know and and some (laughs) a buddy of mine recently started i'm like you got to be careful with this jujitsu crowd man because uh i'm like they're they're not gonna look like much of anything some of them I said, but they'll fucking choke you out and they'll go home and hack your bank account, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Fucking, yeah. Fucking nerds, dude. Nerd assassins. I, I, I thought about calling the podcast the Hippie Assassin Podcast, cause, obviously, because I'm a hippie. And then I'll fucking choke you out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what I really, obviously, I, once, after, once I was done fighting, jujitsu is where I've invested all my time. Um, I feel like, um, yeah, man, you'll always have that energy. You just have to find something else to put it into. Yeah, yeah, one way or another. It's as long as jujitsu is a good way to go, though, dude. It is, and, and yeah, even even as a kid, I always kind of felt like I was built for something a little different than what everybody did. Everybody, they kind of tailed off, or they've settled in certain ways, and I'm like, God, it scares the hell out of me. Like, yeah, just settle into uh, some form of monotony. Not that I'm any better than them, but it just doesn't resonate to me like it does for them and in a lot of ways i kind of wish it would because then things would be a little bit simpler you know it's like the red pill or the blue pill right. which one do you want to take one you can live a life of almost not mediocrity but safety and what level of happiness do you have when you're going through the motions i'm sure some people are fucking fine i i couldn't be like that but what is it going to be for me i i didn't know what that was going to have to happen so it was almost like the movie Fight Club, you know, this is my way of saying, you know, I, I don't really know what to do, but I got to fight back somehow. I don't really care about hurting somebody in general. I'm doing this for me. This is my way to show my individuality in a system of monotony and of everyone's the same size brick fitting into the same size wall with the same size cement. And yeah. me, I just, I want to be that stone that's like, fuck you. I'm a little bit different here. Everything's not going to line up when it comes around me. And, and yeah. that can be inconvenient at times. And it can uh, it can kind of make you feel like a loner sometimes, but I, it's not it's not something I'm faking. I I can't I can't yeah. just I can't help it. Like what I am is what I am, and I didn't th- sit around and think like, oh, this is what I want to be. I'm gonna try and convince people on this. Yeah. No, it's like like some of my friends they don't ask me shit that they don't want the answers to because it's like it's gonna come out. And I'm not trying to be mean, but it's like you ask me. I mean yeah. that's that's what I think about it. So and I don't yeah. really. Like, we all fuck up. We all have our own stuff, and I'm not the type to be conditionally loyal. So at least my closer friends have learned that to me. Like, oh, okay, you fucked up. Well, you, okay, I'll go stand on your side, and we fucked up. That's cool, you know? 
Yeah. That's why they put erasers on pencils. We're all fucking human. So, uh, it's all a fucking process, dude. It's all a fucking process. We're all just trying to figure it out. But I don't. Going back to what you originally asked, I I don't know what's next. I'll be prepared for anything, and I just when it's all said and done, I just kind of want to be able to look at myself in the mirror, brush my teeth, and go, you know what? I gave it what I had. I didn't have any regrets. Yeah. I took the big opportunities that came my way, and you know what? Maybe they didn't go my way, but at least I wasn't a little bitch about it. Yeah. And the ride was cool, and yeah. I've done some stuff that now seems normal to me. Walking into a big arena seems normal to me that uh, for others it's not. And It's yeah. uh, the best feeling. It's like whenever we walked into the Scott Trade Center that first time, I wasn't overwhelmed. I'm like – It's home. I'm like, yeah, it's home. This is like – this feels – this feels like what I should have. You know, this – this is awesome, and uh, I want this every time. A lot of people don't know this kind of stuff about me, but like, I dated a girl that was from Hillsboro, and their friends—they were like family friends with Matt Hughes. This was like back 2005, 2006. So I got to know Matt a little bit. We weren't like best friends. I'd talk to him every now and then. And that's how I got into it, and so I started watching the sport. And we're talking like the pioneer days now. Yeah. And then as it went on, and me and her split up as college went on, and. So I went to Strike Force in 2009. Showed up at the Scott Trade Center or whatever it was called back then, and I'm sitting there like, there ain't no fucking reason I can't do this, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, I, I want this. Like somehow I, I, I could make this happen. Like I should be able to. And uh, we got through that. I was going through a tough time at work mentally with that. You know, I started that job I was telling you I didn't like, and this just transition from college to work life, and I got out of it fucking shitty relationship that just did nothing but weigh me down because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. You so know, to college, do relationship, and then move on. And yeah, know that. Settle that down. You're supposed to be getting married about now, aren't you? Having the kids. Uh, when are you buying that house? Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to buy one. And luckily, it didn't fucking happen. So I went through that and uh, what was it, 24 or 25 at the time. And, and Jake, his buddy, one of his buddies found an MMA gym, which was CMMA at the time. And Jake was going, and I was kind of giving him shit, like, oh, you just probably train out of the garage and all that shit. And then finally I just had one day, and I'm like, fuck it, man. Like, uh, what are you doing? You're Like, right now you need to go see what it's about. And I went down there, and I'm like, you know, I bet I can handle myself a little bit. And we didn't go down there sparring. Like, the first day was like a jab across with footwork. And I'm moving the wrong foot with the wrong punch, and I go, oh, I don't know a fucking thing. And this is a world where people do know shit. And I, I, this is where I got to be. And then ever since then, just kind of showed up. Jake found the gym, and he always gives me shit, like, oh, you're only in here because of me. And I'm like, motherfucker, I, I brought this sport into the house. What are you talking about? And he was always more naturally talented than me, so I just kind of had to keep working hard. But it was good to train with him down there too. So when was that? When did you start? Uh, October 2010. 2010. Man, so shit, dude, you're – Going on eight years in, man. Yeah, it's it was every any more now. Everybody's like, "What uh, how long have you been doing this?" I go eight years. They're like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's like a it's like a doctorate, you know." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and you know what? I still learn shit every day. Yeah. Every day, Sanders, uh, Nick Sanders, my jujitsu coach, or McKinney's, either one of them, they'll show me something. And I'm like, that's really simple. Why didn't I ever think of that? And, yeah, and especially in jujitsu, man, I've I've found because like you know the last year I've just been solely focusing on jujitsu, or maybe I guess it's been longer than a year now. I don't know, but fucking, it's like it's like any problem. So I feel like especially with jujitsu, you can kind of develop a certain like physical proficiency 
with some of the movements. And, like, you might be, and you, you see it really well, especially with, like, the Donaher Death Squad, right? Like, those guys are training for, like, three years, and they're fucking just super proficient at these moves and these positions, and they're killing everybody, right? But I feel like it takes, you have to look at a problem for a certain amount of time. It takes a certain amount of time sitting. That's why I feel like the time aspect of jiu-jitsu is so important. I feel like it takes a certain amount of time sitting in a belt or just looking at the fucking problem to see it differently. I can tell you right now, dude, like, things that have clicked and I view jujitsu theory differently and I have a different understanding now and it's like I fucking like I'm reading the matrix now or something dude like you catch me in a scramble in my body like I don't even think I just go into flow state and it's like all of a sudden I just like came up over you and went to the far side and got like an arm bar it's like how the hell do we even end up in that and it's like you just look at the problem for so long you just start developing a different understanding and it's just so intricate man that's just why I love jujitsu I say it all the time, I'm gonna do it till I fucking die. Yeah, till I die, I'll never stop rolling jujitsu. And it's those moments you're talking about. I started finding more when I put the gi on. Cause before, I mean, I had, I, I mean, I was putting on bamba and I never had jujitsu with a gi. And I wish I would have because it was different. Like those moments of killing athleticism, knowing how to keep heavy in certain positions, and finding those moments that you don't have to think about. After I started working with those higher level guys, I'm like. Oh, this is much different because in, if it's not organized, which a lot of schools in this area, they're just – I've found as far as, like, striking schools or just MMA in general, it's not really organized. It's hard to build a system. Like, you can't start at level one, level two, level three because people have fights they got to peak for. People, they go in and out. They get sad or they have kids or they get a new job. And it's hard to build something constant. Jiu-Jitsu seems to be the only thing in the area that – you can kind of come back to and pick up at a certain time and it's the most systematic. Like you'll go in and, and we're blessed to have great instructors in this area who have really opened the pathway for us and they all, they all have it down. But as far as any other aspect, that's the one that seems to be more, there's a hierarchy built, like pick a jujitsu school. You'll get good at it no matter who you are, if you just keep at it. But if you go to the wrong fighting gym, you're never going to learn striking you're never going to learn wrestling at another. Jiu-Jitsu is the most universal. If they have a good program and the instructor is credentialed, that's something you can look up and know, hey, I know that they, they know what they're doing. And they compete at certain levels and they have teams compete. And that's the one thing I wish we had in the other aspects because I feel like it's hard to know that you're getting your striking down. You're getting all the other stuff down. Because Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, you, even whenever you were hitting all the aspects, you just knew, okay, this class – there's going to be a principle to it, and there's going to be an application to it at the end. Yeah. And uh, either way, just showing up from this, I'm going to get better. Even if I'm mentally not here today, somehow, some way, I'm adding something. Yeah, man, I'm always just trying to, especially now, I mean, the always going into every practice with an intent just to take, like, one thing away. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just one, dude. Just one little thing will change your whole game. And then I find if I, whatever I was learning, and sometimes I'll do two a day. So I'll do one day with the McKinney's and then I'll work with Sanders in the evening. But I'll try and take one thing and I'll try and apply it. Because yeah. before it was all about, oh, I got to win. And now it's, let me see where this concept comes into play. How can I use it? Because this is just the battle. I'm trying for the payoff later. Yeah. You know, I don't really care about giving up positioning right here, right now in this moment. Because let me see where I can incorporate what we drilled and. And sometimes we'll drill something that is new to me, 
but I have a variance of it that I have always done. And then I can either like, oh, I like the variance I did better, or this way is much better, or a hybrid of the two. Yeah. And it's interesting how much, no matter what move it is, no matter what position it is, there's always some little detail. Man, there's just you, – you can break down a position that doesn't look complicated. You can break it down so intricately into so many steps, so many if-then situations that it's just the, – the possibilities can – just become almost infinite of what you can do and how you can how you can vary that that position yeah and a lot of the coaches like they're they're a lot like us like some of them almost in the jiu-jitsu community they they can have learning disabilities but they're so good at some aspects that they are just a brain and they're speaking on a level that you just like you ever had someone just describe a technique and you're like oh Mind blown. I'm like, I didn't ever think of it that way. And I still probably only understand 40% of what you said, but that right there added to my game. All the time, all the time. At our gym, um, at St. Charles MMA, it's, man, dude, there, we have a lot of great coaches, um, especially, though, Matt Rice House. That guy is, he's next level with his understanding. Like, the guy, man, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, some, so sometimes you, you, you kind of have like that that high that overarching view, you know, that five thousand view. Like you you know the move, you can do the move, but then you start really just like honing down on and just really start just just getting smaller and smaller with it. And it's like, well, I'm gonna do this, so he has to do this because I did this. Like he can try to do this, he could try to do this, but he has to do this. So now when he does this it's going to open up this, so I'm going to do this. And because of this, he has to do this now. So it's just like he'll, he'll break down every movement, like even in between these transitions so intricately. So it's just like, man, you're doing one move that you thought was super central, but it turns out there's like four different steps that you didn't know along the way. And now once we get to this one part, it's just like, yeah, well, now this just builds to this, which builds to this, and you have all these different options. Everything chains together. It's, it's man, I love it. And each one has their own decision tree. And then the leg lock game is it's changing like crazy. And that's really one of the big things I've been picking up from Steve and Josh McKinney is we drill a lot of leg lock stuff. Just kind of flow with it. But offensively, whenever we're doing that, I feel like I'm also learning some of the defense. So the weird thing was, like, that fight I had in January, I ended up in a weird position where the guy triangled both my legs. And I'm like, I have never fucking seen this, but, you know, except on TV. And so I had a moment where I just – I put my feet on top of each other because I'm like, then he can't do it. He tried to do an ankle uh, – what was it? Sorry, sorry, a toe hold. Tried to belly down, and I just kind of kicked his foot off. And I'm like – I had that moment where I'm like, okay, if I get my hips off the mat, I know I'm less liable to get caught in something. And I had to watch for a bit, and I'm like, this is fucking weird. And luckily, I peeled it across and got up. But I'm like, even even at the regional scene, this game is changing here. Like, I have to learn this, or somebody else is going to catch me with it. I didn't I didn't want to be caught with those moves. Like, oh, well, I, I should have thought of that. It's like when Don Hart said on that podcast, why are you guys only attacking 50% of the body? And I'm yeah, like, mind blown right there. Yeah. The moment, man. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, and, I, and um, you know, I had that jujitsu tournament down in Austin. I'm going next weekend. Um, for this Nogi tournament, and that's a huge 10th planet just kind of culture down there, so all leg lockers. So even before this, though, I've, I heard that podcast and just I was like, well, fuck, dude, I got to start at least trying to understand these positions now. Um, so, like, for me, I'm just working 
on control right now. It's like, can I can I get to this position to where like I'm locking your leg and like do I have complete control here? So now I can go for that heel hook. So now I can go for that straight ankle lock. You know what I mean? It's like let me at least get to this position and control it for a second, and then I'll start adding in the submission slow but surely because. Especially in training, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but like, I, if I can at least understand this first part, the, I mean, position before submission. So, I mean, if I can control this position and I got that down, then the submissions are easy. Those will come. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing because you got to – the train them is weird because you got to go with someone who kind of knows what they're doing, won't flip out, won't crank your shit. And then even some people's dexterity is a little bit different. Like a straight ankle, those that's one of the things where no matter who it is, it always feels a little different to me. Like, I'm like – I think I got this, and then I'm like, I don't want to really, really crank it. Is this guy just not tapping? Or Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I had it or not because I don't want to find out in the most horrific way in the training because there's no belts on the line. I'm just trying to learn. And heel hooks are a little bit different too because when I was younger, we would go train at a couple of gyms, cross, and somebody would try and put us in heel hooks. And I'm like, what a dick, you know? Yeah. But – the intent was to be a dick then. That was the difference. Now I think people are like, okay, this is what we have to incorporate. And now, now when I go open roll at McKinney's, all his guys are like trying to dive on your legs and stuff. Not with, not in a bad intent, but it's like they know they know that that's the path that that's going. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and right now there's not a large leg locking community where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's obviously kind of slowly coming along, but I mean, we don't have. I, there, I think there was a 10th Planet gym here back in the day, maybe. But there was one in O'Fallon, Illinois, and it's one of the, from what I understand, I don't know how big it got, but they had a problem with an instructor, and I think they may have closed it because of something to, I don't want to get it wrong, yeah, but I, I think it had something to do with a, an instructor and the way it was going with the kids or s- really? something like that. Hard to say, but I mean, there's there's no there's no tenth planet really in the area. There's not a big leg locking community. I mean, we do far more gi than we do no gi around here. Um, it's just kind of how it is. It's just an, another aspect to the Midwest, I guess. Here in St. Louis, is just kind of what we do. Um, so, yeah, incorporating it, especially as as for me, you know, as I'm traveling more and and doing more, you know, competitions outside of the Midwest. I mean, it's just it's just a part of it, you know what I mean? A lot of these high level guys are just so good at attacking the legs. Um, it's just yeah, man. Why would you ignore fifty percent of the body? <laughs> Fucking mind blown. Well, it was like when Donaher was on that podcast, and the move wasn't even in yet, but he was breaking down his students' fight, and he goes, "Right here, he had him," and it was like he knew it. There were still like three more moves to the entire set, but right here, the match was done, and I'm like, God, people know it that well. <laughs> that's a level of understanding and you know i it's it's funny but i'm i'm kind of like starting to get to that especially in gi right because again it was just i work with matt ricehouse so often we had a conversation one time and he said something to me it just fucking blew my mind he's like i was because he was on he was pulling guard on me and for folks that are listening if you don't know when you're pulling guard in jujitsu like you're typically sitting on your ass you're on your butt and you're trying to pull them in between your legs so you can wrap your legs around them and so he's on his back and i'm 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 in like combat stance where it's like I'm kind of one knee, kind of one foot up, but I'm trying to get through his guard and he's grabbing my hand. He's getting wrist control and he's like, he's like, look, you've already lost. He goes, he's like this right here. I'm controlling your hands. You're not, you're not letting me like, you're letting me take your hands. You've already lost. Like, this is the first thing that I want on this side of things. Like 
I, on bottom, this is the first thing where I need to control your wrist. I need to control your hands. He said that to me, and it just it clicked because it was like this missing piece for all of these other things that I already knew. And like from ever ever since then, I went down to that um, that tournament in Austin, and it was it was on it for the folks listening. It was on at World Open, and I went down there. Uh, it was in, in Austin, and I did a tournament. And man, there was this one young dude I went against. He was he was a blue belt, but I was talking um, to some folks, and they're like, "Oh man, this dude, this kid's really, really good. He's really good." And like I watched him, and I saw him in guard, and I was like, "Oh well, he didn't. He wasn't. First thing he didn't do, he didn't go for wrist. I was like, "Oh well, he just doesn't know." So in my mind, I'm like, I, I'm already that much better than him. So like when I roll with people, to to me, we're, we're fighting these little battles, and if you don't have a deep enough understanding, you just lost a battle that you didn't even know about. So, like for me, if I, I pull, I pull guard a lot now. Like I just feel so comfortable in my guard. I feel like I'm, I'm just dangerous there. I'm super offensive there. So my first thing is, I'm grabbing your wrist, and it's probably, I'm probably just giving away all my fucking shit for people listening. Like I'm grabbing, I'm getting wrist control. It's like, all right, I just got wrist control. You're not getting this wrist back. This wrist is now mine. So it's like you just lost this battle, and unless you know, you probably just didn't know. And the next thing I know, I put my foot on your hip, and I'm probably going to grab like a collar. So my foot, all I need is one foot on your hip and just like one wrist, and you can try to pass my guard all you want. You're not going to pass my guard. Like I'm going to be able to re-guard. I'm going to be able to do something because I'm not going to let go. So you just lost these two battles, and you didn't even know it. And because of that, everything else is just inevitable. And it's just like having that understanding of these battles that are there. Yep, and that's that's kind of what I'm catching from those higher guys I go with. And they're really the only ones that catch me anymore, and so I guess that's a good sign. But it's like you ever go with those guys and you never know what level they're giving you? You're like, oh, I had a little bit of success today. And you're like, what, out of level five, that might have been three? Yeah, yeah, you just don't know, man. And that's why I feel like you really got to slow it down and start playing jujitsu. Um, you can't muscle through things. Um, again, I, I keep talking about Matt Ricehouse, but man, like he makes everybody do 10 minute rolls. Like we've kind of implemented our gym now. Like this is the new gold standard, 10 minute rolls, like deal with it. Like this is what we're going to do. So you're not going to, you, you really got to work pace at that point, right? You got to know when to turn it on, when to kind of hang back a little bit, when to squeeze, when not to squeeze. You got to really work on pace. Um, but he, he's not like a huge guy. So, like, when I'm going with him, it's like, man, like, I could probably force a situation here, but it's just going to be because maybe I'm stronger in this situation. So I won't put that on him because it's like, well, let me try to work jujitsu here. And then, yeah, you end up getting fucking tapped out. And he may be hoping you use your strength. He may, yeah, because yeah, you can use it against you, man. Yeah. So, yeah, you just got to really learn to use technique. And he was very technical the one time – couple times he came out to the war room i got to work with him damn good front choke yeah and it's like oh, okay yeah this guy well he was on one of the shows i went and watched at strike force so he's like one of those older generation guys it wasn't really older but you know you're like oh he's our age yeah this is the guy that was like last generation but he yeah. like so technically in his journey he's longer in than us and they have at a certain point they have stuff that they can give back their experience and and that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping's changing is some of these guys like Jamie Varner came out and was like yeah we sparred like retards and he, we're not going to do that anymore like we just didn't think about it like we went in there like a bunch of goons and we were trying to take each other's heads off two or three times a week he's just like I'm done I can't do that anymore 
Yeah, it's not sustainable. And then I, I just, I hate when people try and spar like that. It's yeah, I don't do that. It's anymore. I'll only turn it up a little bit with people I've trained with and I trust because if they, they catch me, they're like, you good? Oh yeah, I'm good. And that doesn't happen very often because like uh, one of my good training partners is Aaron Heifel. Everybody knows that guy can knock someone out, you know, mm -hmm. but when we go, it's, there's never any issues like that. Like, yeah, there's no ego in there. There's no nothing. We just, we get in there and we get in the work and, Obviously, if we try to tee off on each other with the size and the power both of us carry, we could limit each other's competitive career. But why? Yeah, he's 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 a good training partner. I trained with Aaron several times. That when he was still at the war room and whatnot, and we always had really good goals, uh, really good goes. But it was never we were trying to kill each other. And I mean, we trained at different gyms, obviously, and he was always controlled. I mean, that's that's the beauty of training with a really high level guy. Yeah, and I think some of that. The harder sparring it might not be a bad thing, at least out the gate. Like, here's the taste of what it tastes like. But don't just keep showing up and never showing anybody how to get better. Because then what are they to you? Just a body? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you kind of got to know how it feels. But I think a lot of that can come from your first level as a competition. But I think you need to actually groom these guys up. And, and you got to be more conscious. Like these boxing coaches, man, they're having guys spar hard two to three times a week. And I'm like, these guys aren't going to be able to write their name when they're 40. And – you have to know what you're signing up for at a certain point. I I really don't take much brain damage. I don't really like to spar much anymore. I, I, I enjoy it in some aspects. I enjoy it when I have to get ready. I enjoy it when my timing's coming together, and I just feel like I'm unstoppable at times. You know, I'm in shape. The things I've been doing to, to add to this are there. Everything is lining up. My heart rate is dropping in the rounds, and, and you know, I, I'm getting good work. But I never just based my training completely on sparring. Right. It's... I feel like it is necessary because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't spar anymore. I do hard pad work. That's cool because you probably have a dedicated coach who knows what the hell he's doing and can hold pads at that kind of pace. Right. And you've fought enough where you know what's going on, and you can drill the little things that are, you know, errors. But here in our little Midwest, we got to yeah, to get it done right, man. I, I mean, I have to go so many different things and bring in different coaches. And I just – I would like to see a lot of the attitudes for the old style of trainings change because – I just think it's not a good thing. It's, it's yeah, and you're seeing it in some of the bigger camps, right? I mean, they're 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 taking a very you know calculated and scientific approach to training. So that way, you know, Greg Jackson's camp comes to mind. You know, everybody talks about how that dude's just a wizard with setting up camp and um, you know being very systematic. And you know, this day you're doing this and you're doing this. So. It's, yeah, there's definitely some bigger gyms that seem to be doing it, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a balance, right? Because when we when we sign up for this, I mean, a lot of us probably aren't thinking about it, but we are agreeing to a, a certain level of brain damage, yep. right? And and those hard rounds are definitely pretty beneficial in the beginning, right? I mean, sometimes you just got to be put under the fire. Yep. Obviously, not sustainable. Can't do that type of training forever, but I can. For sure, remember in the beginning of my career, you know, there's some times, especially when I'm just learning, it's like, it's like, oh, fuck, you're getting hit all the time because you just suck, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, fuck, man, am I ever going to get good at it? Yeah. But then you start getting good, right? You start learning some head movement. You're not getting punched so often because you suck. But now maybe you start turning it up, you know, yeah. you're, you and your buddy are good. Well, fuck, man, well, we need to, it, there's this concept of, you compete how you train, right? Yep. So, fuck, man, I'm competing balls to the wall. Why am I not training balls to the wall, right? Well, because you can't do it all the time, right? You know, you got you to keep your brain. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there's just such a balance, right? Like, how do you how do you balance that out? I don't know. Um, recovery is obviously huge, and man, I I listened to a, a Joe Rogan podcast, and I can't remember the guy's name, but they're they're talking about sleep. I know what you're talking about. And he had said something, and you know, I've I've known about. Um, you know, the importance of recovery and sleep, but he just gave some certain statistics and he had said something that just completely kind of flipped the way I, I think about sleep. He has said that oftentimes, you know, recovery, he says sleep, but just, I'm just going to expand it to recovery in general, but sleep is obviously a part of that. The hugest part, like the biggest part. Um, but it's often thought of the third as the third pillar, but really it's like the, the foundation, you know, that, that builds, you know, health and, and whatnot. So it's not the third pillar along with, with fit, like working out and eating right and nutrition, right? It's, it's the foundation for which you build that house on because if you're eating right and you're training your ass off, but you're not getting recovery, you're not going to get the results. And I don't have, I, I mean, I took so many notes, but yeah. I, I don't have the statistics there, but I mean, you just got to take all these things in, into play, you know, when you're training. You got to got to be smart about it. Um, as we learn, hopefully, you know, uh, if you are getting into this game, you find a good coach who who will fucking take you down that path and not just say, "Hey, let's just let's just beat each other's head." And yeah, it's and I was kind of curious because I went through a stretch after that fight in September, coming off that uh, staph infection. It took me two months to get over that. Every day I take my HRV and my heart rate readings, and I send them to my coach, George, my weight. And just the readings were like, you're not recovered. It took me two months to get over that. And I competed feeling like that. So oh, wow. on top of all that stress of the, the extra weight cut, the antibiotics, the staph infection, and trying to compete, and then coming off of that, it took me two months to recover. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I showed a lot of good things in that despite being flawed. I need to go somewhere else and test myself. So I was going out. I was had a spurt there where I was driving out to glory. I'd get up at five in the morning and I would leave by six and I'd get there about nine 40. I'd stretch. They would have uh, sparring at 10 30 and that's James Cross's gym out in Kansas city. And, and I'm like, okay, this is one of the, if not the premier gym in the Midwest, you know, these guys, they have guys on the UFC roster. They have some of the top talent in the area. I'm, I'm going to kind of get a taste for what they have here. And I'm starting from nothing. You know, I was I had no level of conditioning for sparring or anything like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go in there and embrace about what's what's about to happen to me, you know. And uh, actually, the first day I went out there was for drilling. And we spent two hours drilling, and I was so fucking happy. I can't get anybody to drill in this area unless I lead it. So to have, you know, a, a guided drilling for two hours, and then we did 30 minutes of flow sparring. Those guys didn't, didn't know who I was, but then when they saw me drill, they're like, oh, okay, this guy, you know. He's not just some generic motherfucker walking in. And so then I was actually getting in decent rounds with them. So to go there and actually get rounds with Kraus day one, I'm like, man, this is a privilege because this guy, he's been doing all his life. He's at the top level. And as I kept going out there, because I'm like, I needed to taste that mountain. I need to see the top of it. What does it look like? Where do I stack up? I was holding my own. At the time, you know, my record was, what, four and four. You know, I had a couple bad luck losses there. And. I needed to see, okay, where do I, record-wise, fuck that. Where where am I with these guys? And I was going out there, and I'm like, how do these guys spar? And I talked to EJ, and EJ Brooks goes out there, and he goes, look, man. He goes, they do 10 five-minute rounds straight. And he goes, and they're used to it. He goes, and by the time 
you know, they you think they slowed down. He's like, they're right back because they're fucking used to it. And I'm like, okay, well, I know that. So I'm going out there, and I drill that first day, and then my HRV the next day, it gives you like a 10 to 2 or a 1 to 10 scale of uh, readiness to train. And I'm in the tank for day two on sparring. I'm like, okay, well, I'm here, so whatever. This is a mental toughness day. And I did every round I could out there, and I was wrecked afterward. But I got to see what they did, and they didn't spar like assholes. They sparred really good, and I got in training with some of their top guys, and it was it was very fun to see, one, what a gym that had a hierarchy of training. Because when I talked to Krauss later on, I heard him say something. I went to one of the KCFA shows, and he goes, when I was on the Ultimate Fighter house, he goes, I didn't have anything uh, to read or really do anything because they take a lot of the way from you. He says, so what I did was I, I invested that time in myself. And I wrote out systematically my drills. I put it all pen to paper. He goes, and I worked on my brand. He goes, and I brought that back, and we changed everything we did here. Smart. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, You're, this is a smart guy. And he's a smart guy, man. He has a couple gyms there. He's he's doing pretty – you know, he's doing a lot of good things I, in the MMA community there. I wish I could get out there more, but it, it kind of goes back to the point that I saw one of those gyms, like, that has those guys at the top level, and I went out there not knowing how they sparred. Because anytime someone new comes into my gym, I always have to go, hey, we go hard to the body, not to the brain. We'll touch. If you catch someone, check they're okay. You know, the shit happens. But it's all about the intent. We're not going to be dicks here. And if there is intent, we will weed you out, you know, plain and simple. Yeah. We'll whisper in between rounds, and we're going to fuck you up. Because we don't want that here. And yeah. uh, Tribal law. But the uh, do you ever deal with the HRV? So, you know, I um, – I don't. I need to. I want to. I need to get a heart rate monitor um, because I want to start seeing, you know, how am I doing in the morning because what is it, f- five or ten beats a little bit higher than normal in the morning that you probably should take that day to rest? Well, that's what the readiness meter on this thing does. So I've been doing this for 554 days. I use an app. It's, it's free. It's called uh, Elite HRV. And you just hook it up. I got a Polar H10. Most of my stuff that I do train with is the heart rate monitor. Actually, that one time we got to train together, I was trying to spar with it, which yeah. I fucking stopped doing that because it, it was too much of a distraction. Yes. But see, like today, I told you I didn't get much sleep last night. I'm, I'm at a four. So on this day, it tells you whether you're sympathetic or parasympathetic is elevated. But this also, it kind of lets you know, because there's some days where you're like, man, I don't feel good today. And this tells you, like, hey, you're good to train. It's just kind of a, uh, you're just not feeling it and then there's the days you're like i feel good and it's like hey man nah there's something like there's your heart rate readings are off but right it gives a lot of little data in here like right so you're getting hard numbers so you know kind of what to follow i mean yeah so i um so see in there it gives you like the readings actually you can see the variances in your heartbeat yes in the beat and counterbeat and as you scroll down you can see power frequency levels and the highest your heart rate was and the lowest your heart rate was. And, and one thing I found that really aids in, in helping my recovery and resting heart rate is that CBD oil. I yeah. take that. I sleep better. Because everybody, I, you, all the sleep studies like you were talking about say, oh, you should get this much sleep. But I'm lucky if I get seven hours a night because I, I don't know what it is personality-wise or what, but I, I can sleep I get just about the same amount of sleep when I can sleep in as when I do during the week, maybe about 10, 15 minutes more. But one thing I notice is that during the week, I'm like on standby mode, like a computer waiting for my alarm. Saturday, that Friday into Saturday, I'm out. 
I'm out. And I get up and I'm like, oh shit, I only still got about seven hours, 15 minutes, but it was a much deeper rest. Because you're not, you're not anticipating yeah. waking up. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, there's a couple of things there. So yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely want to get a heart rate monitor. Um, I'm such, I'm such, I'm like, I'm really weird. I don't, there's no phones in my room. There's no electronics in my room, especially at night. I turn off my Wi-Fi. So I was really paranoid about having some sort of like monitor at night but uh, man i went to uh i went down to that uh paleo fx that uh that elk, that expo down in austin and i listened to a really good talk and like one of the doctors they're like yeah man like the the emf is is so low on that it's, it's pretty negligible and like the data that you're getting from it is really worth it so they have a lot of different sleep trackers so i was like all right well fuck i, I guess i should probably just actually not be so irrational there i don't even wear that when i sleep so i turn my shit on airplane mode my phone yeah. and my ipad and because I try to take a little, they say not to read off of a screen before you go sleep, but that's kind of where I catch up on my day. It's like Reddit. It's got a night mode. And yeah. That's kind of yeah. how I unwind. If you some sort of night mode, you should be fine. But I just throw the heart rate monitor on the stand next to my bed. And when I get up, I'll kick it on or I'll kick the airplane mode off of my phone because it's all run through my phone. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll put it, I'll put the heart rate monitor on. I'll lay back down for a couple minutes, settle, and then I'll run it, yeah. which is like the convenience of it. I'm used to doing it with, with the streak. Say I was doing it for almost two years straight now. Haven't missed yeah. a day. So it's just habitual for you. Yeah, and the thing about it is my strength conditioning coach, George, he's a seventh degree judo black belt, trained all over the world. He's one of those old school martial artists, but he's on to all the new stuff. And when he trained in Russia, he goes, they used to hook those guys up to that kind of software in the 70s. They're Olympians. And oh, yeah. they would be, they'd have to sleep in like a hospital wing, but they would hook them up to it for like three hours. And it took three hours for them to know how hard they could push their athletes, you know, even with supplementation, I'm sure back then. But oh, yeah. he's supplements. like, now you can do it two and a half minutes. He's like, and I can't get anybody else to do it consistently but you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, um, so they have like, I mean, there's obviously some, some different like uh, bracelets or whatever the fuck that you can wear, but there's this new thing coming out or maybe it's out now, but it's called the Aura Ring. I think like. O-U-R-A ring. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like a ring you can wear on your thumb or something. You wear it all night. And it's supposed to be like a really um, just like the next level in like sleep tracking. Because, oh, I know what I was going to say. You know, because you, you mentioned the seven hours. Because everybody wants to be like, well, I got eight hours of sleep. Why am I still tired? Because, I mean, it, it boils down to the quality of your sleep, right? You know, it's not just the quantity. It's the quality. But, you know, I've, I've really found that. You know, uh, on average, a you know a complete sleep cycle is an hour and a half, ninety minutes. So, I mean, if you're getting, you know, four or five of those in a night, so what's I mean, four of those would be six hours, five is you know seven and a half hours ish. I mean, if you're getting about five sleep cycles in a night, you know, and they're good quality, I mean, that should be pretty good. I mean, that Joe Rogan podcast I listened to, that guy said you should really get seven to nine, and he had a lot of good reasons why you should. Um, he one thing that really stuck out to me, he mentioned that people who tend to get five hours of sleep or less, um, I don't know if, if there was a study done that directly like proved this or if it was just if again, I can't remember all the details. I don't know if maybe he was just he just noticed this, but I think he just said maybe it was just of his belief that it's maybe like a heavy cause for like Alzheimer's. And he mentioned um God damn, who did he mention? What was uh what's that old British lady? Um she was Margaret Thra Margaret Thatcher. That's it. that's her name. She was British, right? I believe so. 
Yeah. So her, she ended up getting Alzheimer's, and then Ronald Reagan also ended up getting Alzheimer's. He was notorious for only sleeping like five hours just a night or something like that. So, I mean, sleep is just so important again in quality sleep because that's the time when our brain is like doing repairs. You know what I mean? And and we're we're fixing all of, all the punches and shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just vital, man. And and having that data. You know, tracking your sleep. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna really start just getting all the data that I can. You know, is 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 definitely just kind of the priority where where I'm going towards. Like that's why I got the blood glucose meter. You know, that's why I'm gonna track the sleep, um, the heart rate variability. You know, it's it's all it's all important. Yeah, and it's I love numbers and statistics, and yeah. some of it I don't start because I obsess over them. That HRV already enough, you know. I kind of gotta, cause that thing will fuck with you if you're not careful, especially during a weight cut. Yeah. And uh, so the last time, every day on fight day, that thing says, "Hey man, you're fucked up," because you don't, you know, you're rehydrating back. Actually, with the earlier weigh-ins, there was a huge difference in that thing, cause I had more time to rehydrate. I could eat a meal a little bit easier. You didn't yeah. have to force it down at night and. I never really had to force it down, but I always kind of tried to fit in a little bit too much, a little too soon. Yeah. And the body wasn't ready for it. But, you know, the the glucose meter, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. And then so is sleep because I, like, systematically I'll approach everything as a problem. So what's the right pillow? Because sometimes I'm sleeping weird. Like I got this thing going on in my neck from years of probably sleeping on my side and people trying to crank guillotines and not being able to finish them, but they still crank like thoracic outlet syndrome. It kind of goes down to my shoulder. I just got to yeah. stay on top of it. Yeah. And if, as long as if my neck's in good position, that's good. But what kind of mattress do I need then? What, what's going to help my spine because of all the – you know, I had surgery when I was 16 on my spine. A lot of people don't know that. It's, uh, so I try and do everything I can to keep it stretched out, alleviated, you know, that longevity part. So am I sleeping mechanically well too? Yeah, it's man, like, there's just so much to it. I haven't tracked sleep data, but – if it wasn't up to par, it'd just be another thing for me to obsess over. So, yeah. but man, maybe like, you should just avoid it for you. I know, I, I, but I'm like, fuck. What if this is the next competitive advantage I can get? You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I always just try to go off how I feel, man. Like, how am I feeling in the, in the morning? Like, I don't use alarms. I fucking refuse. I quit. Like, I set an alarm this morning because, well, like, I was up a little bit later last night. Uh, kind of watching those UFC fights, and I wanted to, you know, wake up and make it to yoga this morning. So, man, I didn't get. I only slept four hours. Fucking terrible. I know. I'll probably take a nap today because That's about of it. where I am too. <laughs> yeah. So, but I set an alarm for that. I still woke up before my alarm. So, like, I just I don't use an alarm anymore. I just like when my body wakes up, I wake up. And um, I know that's probably not feasible for everybody, but I've always kind of been an early riser, so it's not, it's not an e you know an issue for me. But I don't want to be jolted up out of my sleep, so it's just like one less thing to interrupt my sleep. And then I don't know, have you ever um, have you heard of the book Sleep Smarter? Yeah, by Sean Stevenson. Mm -hmm. So he's actually from here in St. Louis. I love. I mean, if I can support from someone here in St. Louis, like I'm always about it. You know, he has like one of the top rated podcasts. He has three episodes on sleep, which essentially kind of. Um, sum up the book but the book is great too he has he he dives deeper in certain things but man he just gives so many tips on just certain ways that you can just upgrade your sleep environment yeah. like just the the easiest thing one of the lowest hanging fruits two of them is one lower the temperature when you go to bed i mean i always i mean i can't remember the exact range but it's in the 60s 68 is my number yeah i usually go to about 69 68 um 
if I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, definitely 68 because there's like, you know, body heat. body heat. So I got to do that. But then also add in the blackout curtains to your room. Dude, it's a fucking cave in there. Like there's no light coming in. There's I don't have a TV in there. There's no electronics to disrupt my sleep. And and it's cool at night. How like those are very simple things. There's a lot of other things you can do, but just lowering the temperature and getting the electronics out and making sure it's black in there. So simple. Yeah, I actually we're talking about how obsessive I get over little details. I the one time I was just like, you know, I'm kind of fucking sick of it being a different temperature in this room every time I go to sleep because I felt like it was messing with my recovery. And so I started researching and what's what do they say is the best one? What's the best range? And they said somewhere between 65 and 70, depending on who you are. And 68 is the one I found on. So yep, yeah. already I approached it. Problem, answer. Even in the winter, sometimes I'll kick that thing on. Yeah. And it's just like, I got to have it there. And now I got to have that white noise too, be that it makes. So. Yeah, I have a fan. Like I get the fan and then it's just, it's just, I mean, these are simple things that you could do just to improve the quality of your sleep. And you'll see it. In every area of your life, probably, just by doing these little things. I think the, the cryotherapy I get to do all the time helps with my sleep, too. And uh, that's been a great part, just to be able to recover from everything I, I do. One thing I, I have noticed, and I've gotten away from it, and it's weird. Like, some of the stuff you do that you know is good for you, you get, you get out of habit of. Yeah. And so there was an app, was, it's still out there, called Headspace. Yeah, that's basically yeah, And I used to do Yeah, 10 minutes a night, right? And they say do it in the morning, but I like doing it at night because then I could close in on my day. Yeah. And then uh, there was like a breathing app that I've listened to some stuff with. If I take the damn 15 minutes to do that, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's hard to fit that in, though, because some days I'm getting up at 6, I'm swimming laps in the pool, then I'm going to work, and then I'm going to train, then I'm getting home, and I'm cooking, and I'm eating dinner at 9, and then... If I'm getting up at 6, I kind of want to be in bed by 10, you know, so I get yeah. that hour to where yeah. I need to shower or set up my next day. And, yeah. and sometimes it's like, okay, I just want to sit here and, and read and see what happened today in the realms that I want to check, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I just, I've gotten out of that habit. I need to get back to it. Yeah. I like to take, um, so like the swim or a long run, I like to use that for cardio. Or not for cardio, but for like meditation. So listening to have you heard of david goggins yeah yep man coming across him like completely changed the way i look at like doing cardio i no longer listen to headphones when i run like i just won't do it i just want to just listen to fucking my breathing and just going to callous my mind in, in the words of him do that so man i would take that that time you're swimming as that meditation time on those days swimming it does help with that because I can't listen to anything. Well, but you have to be present. I mean, that's what meditation is, right? It's just being present. So, I mean, that's just more of like, a, you know, a physical. It's really weird. I, I, I get a temper about some things. And I don't really call it a temper. Like, I have to, when it, something's bothering me and I'm talking to somebody that I'm friends with or I care about or I, I know I have to be careful with, I have to go, look, man, you got to listen to this through a filter because I'm extremely passionate about what I'm about to tell you. I'm not yelling at you. And if something's bothering me, there's been times I swim and I just delve into that problem and I just get out of that pool fuming and I just go on with my day and I'm like, okay, here's my fucking hit list. And, and, you know, so there's been times I've had conversations with uh, people that could probably really hurt what I do as far as MMA that I had to be like, look, man, this isn't about you. This, this is just how I'm feeling right now. I just got to get this out. And, and, (laughs) and it was always 
very well receptive when I caution that because I, I just kind of know how I can get. And it's a little intense on that. And so sometimes that meditation, if I'm not in a good place, it can awaken something. Oh. Do you ever have that issue? Um, I'm kind of hot tempered though. Like I, I got, I know, I know it. I, I've done a good job of keeping it. Battles that I would have fought before in my twenties. Yeah. I don't so much anymore. Like I know there's a sword to fall on, and yeah. I handle some stuff better than others. Yeah, I, I mean, I try to let go of things and just kind of be more present. It's definitely an, an ever evolving like thing you know what i mean it's it's constant it's because i can definitely kind of you know brew on some things for sure um yeah i don't know man we're all working through something (laughs) yeah that's that's for sure my thing is like i just i want that success and i want it so damn bad and when i feel like stuff isn't moving in the direction that it's coming not even just quick enough not like i want to hand it to me but where's that opportunity at Where's yeah. that next opportunity? I'm working my ass off. I'm working harder than most of these motherfuckers. And when's that opportunity? All I want is that mountain to climb. Show yeah. me that mountain, point to it, say, here's the day of that mountain, yeah. and let me start climbing it, and then I feel better. It's uh, A buddy of mine just took a fight. I was telling you a, a little bit about it to keep the name anonymous, and I was kind of telling him, I go, the fight is relaxing. He goes, what do you mean? I said, so, you know, whenever you get in there, Nothing else matters. There's shades on. You don't have to worry about your bank account. You don't have to worry about your mortgage. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that. I said, uh, everything that my mind is always distracted with, like when you have a startup problem on a computer, how many processes are running, mm-hmm. I'd hate to know what's there. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to worry about any of that. I have 100% focus on one task, and it almost feels like you have some form of superpower. Then it's nothing else matters. You can unleash your potential. And, and as long as you know you're getting into that, it takes a little bit of time to get to that point. I go, it's freeing. It's the most freeing. I, I told him, I said, you're about to enter the safest place in the world yeah. when you go in there. And and you might be, you might find that you like a little more than what you thought because none of that other stuff is going to matter. Yeah. No, dude, that's, um. I mean, that's the feeling we're all chasing, you know, it's fucking what that is is flow state right yeah absolutely I mean, that's fucking flow state that's what we're all chasing man and there's there's a lot of great books I'm, I'm i've been reading a book forever i don't know why i'm just taking so long called flow which dives heavy into this it's like kind of one of the first books on it like back in like i think it was like 91 or 92 it came out but since then there's been a couple great books um knee chick sent me high yeah that, i mean i'm so glad you know how to say that. i was uh reading the Rise of Superman. Yeah, The Rise of Superman. I read that. It was about book. halfway through it, and then I got really kind of busy with all the stuff for the fight, and I never got back to it. Because some of those books read... They're referencing the flow book a lot of times. And, and a lot of those books are like, man, this is good material, and you can mow through it. And some of it, you're like, I got to take my time with this one. Yeah. And that was one I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to move on to one of these other books to peak mentally for this fight. This one is an off-season book. Yeah, you're talking about The Rise of Superman? Yeah, I'm like, this yeah. one is an out-of-camp book that I'm yeah. going to have to delve into. Yeah, that was a great book. And that book referenced that flow book. And then there's another one called Stealing Fire, which is also written by Kotler and somebody else. I think maybe he partnered with that. And uh, both of those, are they dive really you know, deep into flow. And, man, it's, they're just they're awesome books. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's what, we're, that's what we're chasing, right? Like we're trying to get that, that flow state to where you have to be present and the stakes are so high. And time doesn't matter. You don't get tired. You're. It's just like before you know it's ten minutes has just passed, and it's like what the fuck. Like, just you're just you're just 
you're in the zone. It's you know, a lot oftentimes you hear it say it's like, Man, I was just in the zone, everything was clicking, right? Like that man, that's just like the ultimate feeling. And I love when it comes through not even in the high level stuff. Yeah. Like even when I was working in that stupid ass office, like some days I could get through material like it was nothing because I just yeah. It was thoughtless. It was effortless. And some of our tr- training sessions, when they feel like that, man, that's a real rewarding day. You're like, I really, I really tapped into something there that I, I would like to hit again later. And yep. every now and then, if I can think about it, and I used to be more diligent about it. Uh, you know, you move from one habit to another, and I used to take notes after practice. Yeah. And I, I kind of got away from that, but I had notebooks of notes of things we went over and things that I found that was different than what they said or things I got to pay attention to. And all that came from trying to channel that to where if yeah. I had it to reference later, I wouldn't even have to think about it. Like, There's times I wish I could just take what's in here and poof, on paper, and then I can reference that later because yeah. if my brain is full, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm losing something. Man, it's it's definitely um, it's a very like addictive state. You know, some people spend – you know. For the longest time, it's always you know, oh you're you're an adrenaline junkie. No man, we're, we're flow junkies. We're trying to f- chasing that state. I haven't so heard that, but I like that a lot. Yeah, man, it's you're not chasing adrenaline. The adrenaline sucks, dude. I hate when my heart's racing. I'm fucking dude, but man, whenever everything's clicking and I just feel it's like holy shit, man. And the thing is, man, by the time you feel all those good feelings of that come from flow, you're already out of the state of flow. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the runner's high, and you're like, oh. I know yeah. exactly what that was. That was yeah. an effortless run or swim or bike or or bag work or, yeah, or whatever man. you did. And you're like, man, that's that felt very efficient today because, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that other part of your brain took over. Mm-hmm. And, and you can get it from anything. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be playing the piano or, you know, that, that busy day of sales. You know what I mean, dude? You're you're seeing a lot of clients today. You know what I mean? Or you're just you're just so present and, man. It's, it's weird because you're present, you're conscious, but in a way – it's like someone else is in control. You're almost, right? Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the movie Get Out when they're stuck in that door yeah. and they're looking up. But everything you're doing is stuff that you've prepared yourself to do or yeah. through habits and everything. And So you're in control. You're present. You're there. And uh, that was actually the – I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but when I was in that Bellator fight, that last one, it's like I got in there and I go, present. Man, I'm present. Yeah, I saw your fight and um, – Man, you just look like just a whole different human in that fight. Just the level of confidence, you could just see it in your eyes. There were, for, obviously, have, having stood across from you, and I've, and I've been a fan of yours for a while. You know, I've, I studied you because we were going to fight, and then, you know, I've, I've been following you since, since then. And, man, like, there was just a different Jordan Dowdy that stepped in that, in that cage that day. And that's – thank you. I appreciate that. That's what I've been working on, and it's good to hear that. I n- – I knew that it was different. I wanted everybody to show that because they had really seen some of what I can do. And, um, you know, even even when I didn't need to tap into reserves, I wanted to build them anyway. Yeah. And I just – it was nice to have everything come together because that was the culmination of the weight cut going well, even though it was, they always suck. Yeah, they always but suck. But the weight cut went well. The training went perfect. I wasn't sick. Didn't have no fucking staph infection this time. Did you know those things leave bad scars? Yeah, like, I got one on my knee. It's like, it's still there from that. It's a big bump. Dude, it's, it's real shit, man. And then the mental training. It just all came together. There's a book by uh, DC Gonzalez called The Art of Mental Training. Quick read. Anyone's looking into, like, start getting into something and they haven't read anything, like, that's something you can pick up later on and just kind of get through. You ever read that one? 
I haven't, but um, I'll check it out. And I'm going to make show notes for this. We've mentioned a lot of books in this. Yes. I'll, yes. I'll put it in there. I got some more work to do a little bit later. Um, yeah. That, People, uh, we'll make it easy for you guys. You can put you on your pen and pad if you're trying to write this stuff down. We'll make it easy. Don't worry. We're about to go on a like a week long family trip, and last year all I did was was read books. And I got a couple. I might try and finish that Rise of Superman. And I got uh, a couple about reprogramming your ba- brain for positivity. Every now and then I'm like a phone. I got to dock in on that. Yeah. Uh, and make sure my perspectives realign because genetically, I, I mean I've seen it in my family. Like some of my. Uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles like they're they're really good people and and one of my uncles is like he's like the type a and b personality put together like nothing ever fucking bothers him but when he gets mad everybody knows about it but it's always for a good reason and i just know that i'm predisposed to to that kind of mindset so i I always try and make sure at some point i i I dock those uh, reprogram retrain your brain for positivity because if i don't did you see that post I put up about gratitude about a couple weeks ago? I don't know if I did or not. So Luigi came in, and I got to I got to roll with him again, and it's been a while. And uh, he was there with Sanders. And, and every now and then I just get so obsessive over my training because in my mind it's never good enough, you know. And I, I finally was like, man, what a, what a privilege to roll with these two guys, you know. It was, yeah. And I had to sit back, and I was like I had to appreciate it because yeah. I found – like we were talking about, whatever you want to call it, the universe or whatever. Uh, if I go into my day more with gratitude, yeah, it changes everything. And it's something I, you know, I ebb and flow with. But if I appreciate what my body is capable of doing now because of, you know, the surgeries I've been under, shoulder, back, herniations, blood disorders, internal bleeding, you know, to have a clean bill of health now and be on no medications at 32 and to be able to perform in what I think is the hardest sport in the world at right. what I think is a pretty high level, I I need to appreciate that a little bit more. I take it for granted, and and I don't as much as I see other people because of what I've been through, but I know there's times where, like, I'll bitch about little things. And and my boss at work, Megan, she'll even call me on it. She'll be like, that's not a big deal. And like, you know, you're you're, you're right. I need to shift my thinking, and I know I'm wrong here, but I can't help but feel this way right now. So I bear with me while I try and process this. Well, at least you're you're able to to kind of take that, like she brought attention to that, right? You're able to to take that information and and actually use it and work through that and actually try to be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just, you're not just, well, well, fuck this. Like, what are you talking about? You know, so you're, you're open to being better. And that's, you know, that's just, that's a huge part of it. You know what I mean? Like you have to be. Yeah. Unfortunately, with as passionate as I can get some of my good friends in this, they kind of, they kind of can catch the heat a little bit sometimes, but it's, they know it's not directed at them. They're kind of used to it. And uh, my buddy Craig Nacello and, and Jeremy Johnson, they, they kind of catch a little bit of it because, you know, there's a part that you got to express to your, your inner circle. There's that face you got to wear. Yeah. Not because you're fake, but not, every, human, not everybody can know who you are. You yeah. can't let everybody know that. And if you acted like you did around some people to the public, they, they wouldn't really like you. But you can't be real with everybody. Like, here's what's eating at me, guys. Here's why. Here's what I'm fucking thinking. Here's why my attitude's been bad, uh, right or wrong. This is what I'm dealing with. And then, you know, you lean on that group and they're like, okay, well, you're right in this area. You're wrong in this area. Cool. Okay. And then when I take that next level, it's like when you wrote an email, an angry email, you know, and then you go back through and you're like, okay, 
let me make this a little nicer. Let right. me make this a little nicer. And then the message you can actually send yeah. well, is there. We're human, right? We have initial reactions, and a lot of times those initial reactions are fucked up, yeah, right? Yeah, and get posted online if we're not careful. Yeah, but, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, well, okay, well, well, that, okay, well, I did feel that way. That's initial, but obviously I've had some time to think about it, and you can do better, right? For some reason, we're, like, pegged into these situations. Well, that's how you, that's how you felt. Well, maybe that's how I felt initially, but I am a human being, and I am, sometimes I'm wrong, and I can do better so let's take this information and let's try to improve on it like don't for some reason if you change your mind on something then you're a waffler yeah something's better well no i just took new information in right and and i know that i sometimes i fucking overreact initially just give me a second because my first reaction is probably gonna be pretty fucked up so give me a second me too (laughs) man let's, let's work through this you know and 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 gratitude is a, definitely a big part of that, man. Like just waking up every day and just like, at least I try to have a gratitude practice of at least saying like one thing or, you know, that I'm grateful for. And I try to do that with my kids. I need to be more consistent with that, more disciplined with that with them because I'm like, hey, what's one thing you guys are grateful for today? And whatever it may be for them, but so they can have that practice. But, yeah, man, I mean, if you're, if you're just pegged into um, – the situation to where you're not able to fuck up and be wrong and try to grow, then like you're just you're just stuck in this perpetual cycle. I'm, I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. And that's one thing that as I communicate with people older than me, a lot of times they want to act like they're right just because they're older. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm approaching this a different way than you. Like, um, in this instance, I'm right. Here's why you're wrong. But in this instance, I was wrong because of this and this is how i saw it whether right or wrong and and they don't seem to have that wiggle room like yeah there ain't uh, and i ain't fucking special i just realized that i, I can be wrong i don't think there's anything wrong with that because being wrong and failure is growth if you if you approach it the right way otherwise right. would and sometimes neither one of us are wrong or right yeah it just, it just is you know what i mean it's like well that's your perspective this is my perspective. There's, there's not one way to live this life, right? Mm-mm. So, and some, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, and I wonder if some of it just stems from going back to like how you, like you're super anxious and like you know, well, I'm doing all this, so why isn't this happening? And I wonder if it's just because of, like that's just the fucking the rat race that you're in right now. Like that is the MMA world. Like that is the the world of combat sports. It's you know. There's it's year round. There's no season. You're always training. You know, it's it's everybody like it's literally is who is alpha chimp. Like I'm better than you. Let me. I'm and, and you're always ch- and like you're always trying to get to the top of the hill. There's there's always this you know that elusive contract, right? You're like this is I'm I'm chasing that dream. I'm trying to get that contract. And once I get that contract, man, then I'm gonna be fighting professional like i'm going to be fighting full time and you know it's it's just you're always it's it's always going to be better for some reason and a lot of times you, you know you talk to the guys who get there and it's it's not better you know what i mean yeah it's man spot on with something alan watts has he's got a nice little illustration thing talking about what was it music and dance talking about the path life leads down this next promotion this next thing this so this, this thing one, is coming right? this thing is coming and have you ever seen that video Mm-mm. it's really good i'll have to send it to you outside of here but it's one of those things that, like, the guys that created South Park yeah. put a, an animation to, and it's not, like, 
vulgar or anything like South Park. It's just doing the illustration part of what he's saying. And, yeah. oh, man, it's it's great. Yeah, I looked that up. Because uh, it talks about almost – I think it's almost a synopsis of what we've been talking about here. Like you start in school, then you go here, mm-hmm. then you go here, and then the next big thing, it's coming, it's coming. And yeah. by the time you get that big thing, you realize that it wasn't what it was. Yeah. But that's, I guess in a way I indirectly realize that. And that's why I kind of just hope for some form of feeling yeah. at peace someday. Not uh, overly satisfied, but yeah. give well, me a taste. That sport, man, I mean, I mean, that's what, that's what it's about right i mean sure yeah there's the journey and there's the growth and all of that but i mean at the end of the day you don't get into combat sports in where you're taking that kind of punishment you know what i mean just because it's fun like yeah yeah you enjoy it it's fun but like you're you're trying to get to you know you're trying to achieve something you know what i mean like whatever that achievement may be for whoever it is like you're trying to achieve something right and which is where you can kind of get to that feeling of well fuck i didn't achieve anything or it's not good enough or then you start stressing oh am i working hard enough and man i'm working so fucking hard why am i not getting fights or whatever the case may be yeah, is, you know what i mean exactly why i drove out to glory what what do i have yeah it's yeah dude fortunately at, at st charles mma kind of over the years we've um kind of been like the hotbed for like a lot of like just traveling fighters just to stop by so Fortunately, I've kind of had the opportunity to test myself against quite a few guys, like, in the big leagues, and it done just fine. And, um, but even, and that can even present its own challenge, because it's like, well, fuck, man, like, I, I took down such and such, he was doing great in the UFC right now, and I submitted him, and why am I still here not, like, getting even fucking an opportunity, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it can, it can just be this, it's, it's a rat race, man, so... Being on, like, not being in that rat race anymore, and, like, people think I'm fucking crazy, because, like, I mean, nine years is a long time, and by no means did I, like, really achieve anything that I wanted to achieve, but I'm totally cool with that, because, like, I'm just doing jujitsu now, and I just, I just love what I do. I don't have to worry about getting punched in the face, like, I talk to jujitsu guys, and, like, man, we gotta train so hard for worlds, I'm like, dude, it's just jujitsu, like, I, I'm, in my mind, I'm one of the best in the world at jiu-jitsu. I'm going to be a fucking world champion. Like, I'm about to do uh, Master Worlds here in August. But it's just jiu-jitsu. I'm not getting punched in the face. Like, I train so hard for MMA. Maybe, maybe what you guys are doing, you think it's hard, but this isn't even, like, a fraction <laughs> yeah. of what I was yeah. doing with MMA. You know what I mean? So it's just like, God, I just love the process. I just love the art. I feel like I'm going to do this. Maybe it's because, like, I feel like I'm going to do this until I die, you know, if I compete, I compete. If I don't, if I don't. If I win, awesome. If I don't, that's cool too, man. Like, we're all just here to get better and do jujitsu and have fun, man. And, like, you, it just takes off all this pressure. You know what I mean? You just It's just love. Do you think it's because you don't feel like there's a shorter constriction on your competing window? You can just do it as you yeah, want? Yeah, exactly. Like, I tell people all the time, and I can remember, like, whenever I first started, like, man, you, you want that next belt. You want that next belt. And don't get me wrong. Like, I really I, – I feel like I'm putting in a lot of work. Like, I, I'm really working to try to get my brown belt. Like, I feel like I don't really have control over that as if, if my professor feels like, okay, I'm going to give that to you. But I feel like I know X, Y, and Z needs to be done to earn that. 
and I do have control over the effort that I put in and doing X, Y, Z and coming and, and, and starting to teach and coming and make sure that I'm still coming to classes and learning X amount of days and, and doing the competitions and doing these things. I know if I do, it's just like with anything, right? If mm -hmm. you do X, Y, and Z, then this is just inevitable, right? So I do those things knowing that, you know, if, if I had my way, yeah, I would earn that belt, but... The belt's just a by, you know, it's just a byproduct of all the work. That's cool and all, but yeah, I feel like I'm just gonna do it forever. And I tell people all the time, like, look, dude, if you gotta step away a little bit for family, like it happens. Jujitsu is not going anywhere. Yeah. Oh, it's, you can't make it three times a week. Come twice. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, hey, man, it's not going anywhere, man. Like, I just love to do it. Like, it's it's whatever, man. Like, it's all it's all bonus to me, man. The the fact that I still get to come here, and this like just fucking hang out with my tribe and we just roll jujitsu and, and just chill and listen to good music. And it's like, this is just what I love to do. And you know what I mean? Is yeah, there's just no pressure. I have no pressure. I don't feel any, like I'm going to do this tournament in Austin and there's some really good guys. I'm just excited. I like, I don't want to be like, because in MMA, right, there's always that spotlight on you. You always got to be kind of hard. And it's just like, well, don't, well, if he says, oh, well, you know, I don't care if I win or lose, like, well, you're a fucking loser. Yeah. Because you just said you don't care. Like, yeah. you know what I well, mean? There's it's, quit in you. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you, you've already accepted loss. And there's a part of that, right, mentally, right? You want to have that mindset. You don't accept defeat before you go in there. You fully go in there intending to win. Like, I fully go in there and tend to win. But there's no pressure for me to win. Like, I, one, I'm not a nogi guy. Like, I mostly do gi and to me like this is just all bonus like i went and did a tournament because i wanted to go to a health conference so the tournament was just bonus so like and then it's like a whole bunch of cool things have just started to happen from this you know it's just the chain effect you know what i mean it's like it's just all jujitsu and it's all bonus because i'm just happy here doing jujitsu in the first place yeah i can definitely see that i mean i'm i plan on doing it as long as i can too yeah it's and that portion, when it comes down to it, it does seem like the volume's turned down and everything else there. Yeah. Because the peak for a fight, and then no matter, you could do everything perfect, and you could just lose one moment. Yeah. And and that's it. And then you had to sell tickets to it. You had to promote it. You had to do that. Whereas uh, tournament style, jujitsu, you're like, you know what? If I lose here, I, I would have learned something. There's yeah. no really as much embarrassment in it as there is in – because everybody thinks fighting, oh, my God, well, he lost. I'm like, have you ever done it? Like, Yeah, there's a lot of ego there. Like, and, yeah, That shit happens to anybody. Yeah, like Matt Sarah beat George St. Pierre. No one ever thought that was going to happen. Right. And, you know, I've seen some crazier shit than that. I've experienced it myself, you know, yeah. firsthand. And it's not anything you could ever relate to somebody unless they see it. But when those moments, those learning opportunities as a pro fighter happen, there's a lot more weight to it. Whereas if I lost in a jiu-jitsu tournament, okay, you know, yeah, fucking hate losing, but yeah, I, I know what I got beat with. I know I can work on it, and I know I can face that guy again, you yeah. know, and I can I can try and write that. But right. no one's signing up contracts to have another fight when there's three or four a year. But if I could run to that guy at the next tournament, yeah, hey, probably a couple months later. Yeah, and that man, run like the old playground run that back you know yeah <laughs> let's let's do that again so yeah not fighting man i mean the the competitions are just so far and few you know t countless hours put it in between you know camps yeah it's just it's just a whole different environment so having switched over like there's just no way i could ever go back to that high stress environment so many times i just sat there and i thought about 
man, like you take that contract, like you sign, you know, and you're like, now you're just, I'm just obsessing over some fucking dude. I'm just, in my mind, he's, he's training 24 hours a day. So why am I not training all the fucking, I, yeah. I, now I have to wake up early and go run because I have to outwork this guy, right? Yep, absolutely. And, and now you're stressed all the time. And like, and then I start having these moments like, man, why the fuck am I doing this, man? Like, why? I'm just stressed all day. Like, all right, now I made weight and it's cool, but now I'm just waiting. My whole day is just waiting for this 15-minute event that's probably not going to happen until like 10 o'clock tonight. Or if it's, a, if it's a shitty show, maybe 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you're waiting all day for this 15 minute, but but then you know, fuck man, you do it, you get in there, and then you get that hand raise, and God, you want to talk about a high. Yeah. So I mean, I get it, I totally get it. Yeah, I just, I know I won't be able to do it, it forever. It doesn't last so. forever, but yeah. I think legitimately, if I keep everything in order, and you know, a lot of my strength and conditioning stuff is going to add to longevity if I do it right. Yeah. Because, you know, when you first start off, you need those grinding jujitsu rounds. You need those grinding, yeah. you know, sparring rounds. You need those harder wrestling practices. But as you learn the technique, you kind of just need to add and touch on to them. But you don't have to do them constantly. Yeah. So as long as I build the body up, make sure it, it's got proper movement. It's got proper conditioning. My heart rate's fine. My stress levels are yeah. down. I've already got that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll lose some if I don't touch up on it. But I don't have to do the one-on-one stuff at a level to where I'm tearing my body down so much because I have to learn it like I did when I was new. Yeah. Now I feel like if I can just stay on, on top of you know keeping the body in line, staying on top of those injuries, and, and I peak myself properly, proper pad work, proper drilling, uh, proper good drilling with good partners, you know, and I can piece it together and have those good sparring sessions with the people I trust. I don't see why I couldn't still progress and do this for a good amount of time. Yeah, if you're taking care of your body and, you know, you're not taking a lot of punishment, you can definitely do it for a really long time. Um, I mean, the body holds up. Yeah, Um, and uh, I don't – I've never had a concussion. never been knocked out in a practice. You know, I just not – I've been conscious enough not to take that kind of damage because if someone was trying to headhunt, fuck them. yeah, I mean Jeremy Horn, he he fought forever. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, classic Randy Couture. You know, he didn't start until later in life. So I mean, if you're taking care of the body, you can definitely, you know, extend that that competition window for sure. And I mean, Yoel Romero, gosh, that guy is a specimen. But yeah. you know, he's able to he's able to compete because he's just physically able to hold up. Well, and it's always weird because leading up to it, you're like, you know what? You know, I put in all the work on this. It's all behind me. I got it banked. All I got to do is show up and perform. And you're like, this weight cut sucks. And you're like, I just, you know, this one goes my way. I, I might just, uh, I might just be done, you know. And then you go out there, you win, and you're like, okay, you know, that was that was good. And, man, I'm fucking glad I won. That's, that's, that's a relief. I expected to win. So, you know. Yeah. But a couple of days go by, and it's like that brain starts going, hey, what do you want to do next? You yeah. know, what's what's the next challenge you want? Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw Dylan Dennis fight Kyle Walker, and I'm like, fuck, give me that fight. Am I overmatched? Yeah. Do I give a fuck? Not at all. That's the challenge you want, man. Give me that fight. What's the worst thing that happens? I lose to a world champion in jiu-jitsu two-time. That's the next phenom. I saw his stand-up. He's got some holes in it, you know? Am I going to take – am I going to grapple him? Fuck, no. But that kind of a challenge there, it's like, why not? Why not? Why not, man? I mean, you only got one line. What if it goes my way? Look at Zach Freeman. 
I don't think he was overmatched, though. But they but he, acted but he like he that was. Yeah. In, in everybody else's eyes, he was. So that's all that matters. Perspective is fucking everything. I thought that was great. I'm like, what you guys get for acting like you fucking know shit, you know? Dude, at, at the viewing party that we had for him, dude, it was the electricity in that house when he won was insane. He threw a Mortal Kombat uppercut, like, from his shoelaces almost. Yeah. Not really, but it kind of felt like it gravity-wise. Like, boom! Yeah. Smoked him. And that front choke he has, like when he came and trained with us a couple times, like he gets you in that, he's strong. It's you're not getting out. Yeah, I think he won worlds in that with that. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, Zach Freeman is a good fighter. So then, okay, so you're not gonna try to put a number on it. Just, just kind of. I, I think I, it's one of those things. Like I'll know it when I know it. No, when you know it. Like if I wake up and I'm like, fuck, I don't care anymore. Then, yeah. then I, then I'll still train, but yeah. I, I'll be like. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't even think about it. The moment you start thinking about it, then you're done. So yeah, exactly. The fact that you're not thinking about it's a good thing. You kind of think about it when a fight's coming up, but that's just because you don't want to cut the fucking weight and deal yeah, with. Yeah, that's uh, just a whole. You know, thing. we need you to sell this many more tickets, and you know, and then you got just the little stresses of it all and little annoying things like yeah. people going, "Are you ready?" And I'm like, "No, I've been sitting around fucking eating cheeseburgers." Yeah. You know what do you think? Don't ever ask me that question. Well, you know, you keep you stay at the cryotherapy place. Yeah. And, uh, you'll be able to hold up your body for a while. I feel like that gives me one extra day a week to train hard. Yeah. I do. Otherwise, I'd have to take a second one. Do you ever try doing cryotherapy like in the mornings? Yeah, actually. Those, those cold shock proteins? That's usually how I have to do it. Yeah. Because I'll train in the evening and I'll come do it in the next morning. And then I'll roll and I'll stretch a little bit afterward. And it it helps a lot. I'll go down there after a workout. I've had a I had a real rough one, or if I have an injury, the benefit to having a key to the place, yeah, is it's just a convenience of time at that point. So if I've uh, I fought that fight before I fought you, my yeah. Gaston, I hurt my ankle bad the week out. It was swollen. I could barely put any weight on it. I had one of those coolers with ice in it that would I rest on it. I'd cryo in the morning, practice. I'd drive back out there, cryo in the evening. Because at the time, you know, Gaston was training out of Pedago, and, I, you know, those guys were killing everybody in those jiu-jitsu tournaments. I'm like, man, I do not want to wear tape on this ankle. Yeah. Because then it's just like, hey, look what's here. Yeah, you know, this. come grab it. And with all of that, I was able to compete without having to wear that. And just in a week's time for it to make that big of a recovery was huge. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's probably a huge help for you for sure. Fuck. With the, uh, with, with the, Cryo in the morning, have you ever tried doing sauna in the evenings? Not specifically. Uh, so do I'll you do, do much sauna? I'll do, no, I don't really like sauna much. I'll do, really? I'll do hot soaks. Uh, there's one that hits quite. I just never really liked the sauna. I don't like breathing in them. It's just like if it was the infrared sauna, yeah, I yeah. could chill in there. Yeah. But it's also hard for me to sit still. Yeah. It's hard for me to sit still in there. And when I feel like I got 20 things I still have to do or get home to do and, it's uh, I'm not against it. I do hot soaks, hot yeah. tub, uh, hot Epsom salt baths. I like those, and then I can tend to distract myself and, and you know, watch some watch a podcast it's on yeah. YouTube or something. And uh, in a lot of ways, I kind of do like I have a little distraction throughout the day because I feel like that's the way I can also get my stuff done and still be learning. <laughs> right. So, 
Have you listened to like any of those Joe Rogan's uh, podcasts that he's had um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on talking about like the heat shock proteins and different benefits of the sauna? Yeah, the one a couple years ago that was pretty good. That was yeah. – uh, some of those people, I kind of can't watch the whole things. I have to catch the clips. Like the sleep doctor. I tried watching that, and just his voice didn't track with me. It was hard to follow because it was like being stuck in a lecture of – you know, there's a certain paralanguage to your voice that's easier to pick up or not. There are some I've been meaning to go back to and catch up on the on the finer points, the the meat of the conversation, and and I haven't been able to. But yeah, her stuff about cryotherapy and the norepinephrine levels, and then the sauna that was good stuff. I just yeah. what was it she said? You had to be there about ten minutes or so. Yeah, I think it's kind of like you know ten to fifteen minutes. You know, post workout. Um, you just get a lot of benefits. You know, it, it's shown to lower all cause mortality by gosh like 60 percent or something i might be wrong on that percentage but it's something ungodly high it's um, i love the heat i love the sauna it's like one of my favorite things i mean i do cold showers in the morning uh, which even then that's not really good enough i really need to get something where i could really get that temperature down but um yeah i love the sauna i'm a big fan of the heat shock protein it's kind of hard to get in there for me at the end because i've already probably sweated about six pounds out and so to get in a you know, in a hot sauna afterward, it's just, I don't know, maybe yeah. be a little bitch about it, but well, I just am not like, I wouldn't be like, man, yes, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm relaxing here. Even if I could drink water in there or something, yeah. I'd kind of be like, ah. there's, there's already a little bit of that association with weight cutting, right? It already sucks. Yeah. Like, that place just sucks, man. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I never use a sauna to cut weight. Yeah. I only use the hot bath. I just, I never liked it. I think for me, if you're breathing in a sauna, you know, it's harder to breathe in there. That induces a level of panic, whether you're used to it or not, and that raises your cortisol levels. And then when yeah. your cortisol levels are raised, you're not going to cut near as much weight. I think that's why a lot of those guys, did you see Darren Till's weight cut? They had him in a sauna in a sweatsuit. Like, he's already in that state. I don't know how well your body, when it's dealing with that much stress, will actually cut that water weight. Yeah, you can definitely start getting pretty claustrophobic in there. Um, I enjoy it, so I don't really tend to get those feelings of anxiety or anything in, in the sauna i mean it definitely sucks when you're cutting weight and you feel really bad i i prefer to like kind of soak in a tub or something for like last like three or four pounds but yeah i don't know i love it you're just kind of like fuck it i'm in it dude i just i just love the heat if i had to choose heat over cold i'm definitely going to choose the heat um I, I respond pretty well with it and um have you have you heard or come across anything about how you know like the like the typical you know rice method uh, you know yeah. to, to healing is just kind of like rest ice compression elevation yeah not really ideal when you're, when you're dealing with certain injuries i think a good balance of ice and heat both do well because you got to have the circulation so you need the heat and the ice will be constrictive but it can also help with that inflammation so usually so, i try and use both yeah so i feel like from what i've learned is that ice is so the doctor that actually created that that protocol just did that on the fly and he's actually since it's come out has said like there is no scientific evidence to say this is like the best and like I was actually I think he might have even said he's wrong I don't know if he's wrong or not but the the idea is that there's no real scientific basis to that even though we all believe it and like it's it's great for um for like pain relief if you want to use it for pain for a lot of things but on certain injuries inflammation so we commonly mistake 
swelling for inflammation. Swelling is like a byproduct of inflammation because you have like all this fluid and waste that kind of gets stuck in this area because like the muscles around the injury aren't contracting, so we're not able to move this waste. So it gets stuck there, so we have swelling. But inflammation is actually like the first of, I think, three steps to recovery, so it's actually a necessary part of the process. So why would you actually want to slow that down? Yeah, I have heard that actually. So I always wonder with everything that speeds up inflammation, recovery from inflammation, how much are you sacrificing your adaptation? So sometimes I think about it with the cryo, like you're talking about an injury there. So if I kill off a lot of the inflammation, am I, well, in an instance of an acute injury like that, you're trying to get the injury and swelling down. But what if in an instance where I've really, I'm training hard and I jump in a cold pool, cryo tank and I kill off that inflammation do I lose any aspects of the adaptation when I've recovered from that from when I rest properly is my capacity that I was trying to get is that taking a hit at all maybe slightly maybe not I don't know do I need to experience that process to be stronger from it or if I kind of boost my recovery now does it not matter well I think the idea is that inflammation is an inevitable part of the process so while maybe yeah you're hindering the inflammation and that moment in order for the body to heal itself it has to have the inflammation Mm -hmm. so it's going to come regardless you're just slowing down the process so he used an example of like say like i don't know like i i don't like i tore like i don't know like my quad or my hamstring Mm -hmm. or something i can't remember the name of this machine but it's like this next level fucking machine like you put it on i kind of think of it in my mind like a tens machine to where they put on the pads you got like the electro uh, magnetic pulse kind of going and contracting the muscle and whatnot kind of like next level of that but you put it on the injured area right so let's say it's neat like i put like the muscles kind of surrounding it and then it's going to we're going to put it on we'll run it for like 12 hours or however long and it's going to contract all those muscles not like so that like i can feel it or anything like i could probably even sleep or whatnot but it's going to make sure that those muscles are contracting so all of that fluid isn't getting stuck there so there is no swelling because the muscles are doing what they probably couldn't do i couldn't make them do that because i'm injured right now yeah but this machine can right so now it's moving all of that through so there's no swelling and then we're still getting the benefits of inflammation so now we can start moving into this next phase of recovery quicker and uh and we can start healing faster i can't i wish i i, mean, I had to look it up this is why i need a i need a damn producer yeah, i need a yeah. jamie yep um, to look this shit up You'll because it, Jamie, some point. Yeah, because it's 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 dude, it's it's making recovery like ungodly fast. So can we pause that for a second? Yeah. All right, great, and we're back. So, yeah, man, the um, just the whole idea that that maybe ice isn't the answer, um, just just really kind of intrigued me. So again, I kind of. Came across the idea listening to Joe Rog- Rogan's podcast. He had mentioned the anti-ice guy. He hasn't been on Joe's podcast, but he's on Misha Tate's podcast. So went and listened to that. And it just to me, it kind of intuitively kind of does make, a, make sense. At least the way he explained it is just like, well, fuck, dude. Duh. But I don't know. I've kind of been experimenting with it more, just kind of doing more um, more heat for treatment of injury. But still, still utilizing cold therapy. So it's just, just real kind of fascinating shit, man. This is what we're learning. Yeah, it's, and we haven't even touched on breath work. Like I was, you know, my 
we had to pause because my little bitch bladder gave out about two and a half hours in. But uh, I'm sitting there thinking we didn't even touch on breath work. And I feel like I get a lot of recovery when I get on top of that. Like I feel things in my body that were tight kind of loosen up. Yeah. Uh, I know you've done the flotation. Yeah, I went and did the flow tank once. I'm going to go do it again. When I was in there. I've done it one time too, and I, I had to be very specific because of my personality type. I couldn't do it unless I had absolutely everything done in my day I was going to do. I was done with work. I wasn't going to train that night. I turned the off day, and I f- my body was a wreck. Yeah. So I went in there, and, and I tried to do it. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try and do it the, the way it's supposed to be without this little floaty thing on my head. And I felt like I was shrugging the whole time. I felt that way too. And I was like, wow, why is there so much pressure in my neck? And then I just started moving it, and it would pop. And then uh, as I got in there, I felt things finally start to loosen up because it didn't have the weight of gravity to it. And, uh, you know, they say it takes a handful of times to get used to it and all. And, and by the time I had I, – I got, I, I got into it. I, f- I was into it. I was relaxing. I was doing my breathing. And uh, I woke up, and I was done. Yeah. I still had about 20 minutes left. But then I probably know the next time I would do that. But I just realized from – when I was doing a lot of the breathing and, and when I did that, how much tightness there was in my body whenever I actually pay attention to it. Like I yeah. stretch and I do all my mobility stuff, but if I'm consciously really paying attention to that, I'm like, wow, wow. Like it kind of worries me a bit. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get this part under control. Yeah, I feel like I was trying to hold my head up more than I really needed to. It took me a little bit to kind of relax that. Once I did, though, it was definitely a, a good float. Um yeah, man, breath work. There's, man, we're just learning. We're just learning more and more about it. Just, just the benefits and um, all all the great things that kind of go along with just being present and like not just sh- not not doing shallow breaths, but deep intentional breathing and just like moving the oxygen. Like it sounds all fucking woo wooey, but there's science to this shit. Yeah, and I have the data with my heart rate monitor because I've yeah. done it. Like. The inhale is supposed to be about half as long as the exhale. The exhale is a is a response of relaxation. So mm. to breathe in and yeah. Like if I can control that no matter and in my mind I always think of it as if I'm trying to recover from a workout or something. If I'm breathing that's kind of a panic response yeah. breathing. If yeah. I'm if I take control of it and I, I make sure I'm doing my deep concentrated breaths and, and I do a lot of diaphragm strengthening to help that that my heart rate drops yeah. a lot quicker. Yeah. No, I um, I used to say all the time about the elevation training mask because um, I used it. I was like, man, I it, too. It, it's not going to simulate really elevation, but what it is going to do, it, it will strengthen your diaphragm. I tell that, I'm like, dude, your diaphragm is muscular tissue. It will strengthen. Like, that mask will do it. So, like, that was probably, like, the biggest benefit I got from that. But, yeah, dude, I'll often just take a real big, deep breath. And I think a lot of – sometimes it's, like, people aren't used to that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm just, I'm just taking a breath. Like You can feel yourself wake up if you're like, oh, hold on. And you just kind of take <sighs> ten deep breaths. Like, a little bit of clarity comes on. And it's it's interesting. It's <laughs> that last time when I was cutting weight, sitting in the hot tub, the weather had turned for, you know, the best part it could for the cut. And I'm sitting out there in the sun. I'm like, well, right now I can't have water. Right now I can't have food. I said, you need food, water, and air to live at minimum. I go, so I'm just going to enjoy this air. Wow, and I yeah. sat in the hot tub just 
like you said, you always say embrace the grind, you know, embrace the suck. And I was yeah. sitting there like, embrace the suck, you know. This air is good air right now. Yeah, so dude, let me is, tell you. This is part of the process, <laughs> yeah. dude. I was sitting there like, and I told my brother that, my, my middle brother who never competed. He's like, man, that's kind of fucking sad. And I'm like, you know what, though? That's what I signed up for. I'm like, I'm okay with it. You know, in that moment, that's what you had, man. <laughs> yeah. And, man, that makes me think of um, uh, Victor Frankl's book, um, A Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read that? Mm-mm. Real short book. I'm going to let you borrow it. Um, real short book, quick read, but gosh, dude, it's just it's just all about just, you know, just finding meaning and finding purpose um, in life. And um, yeah, it just gives you a whole different perspective. Yeah, I mean, that actually sounds like a lot of what I was talking about here. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's um, very kind of stoic in nature in a way. Um, it's a great read. It's a great read. I got a lot of show notes to put together for you folks listening. Um, yeah, man. Well, fuck, dude, we've been pushing almost three hours um this has been a great conversation we'll have to do this again for sure there's a million other things we can talk about absolutely i'm not surprised it went down you know this far into it so i made sure to make sure to clear my day for sure and no i'm glad to do it i think this is going to be a good thing change different perspectives people know people that know you will probably listen in and you know haven't talked to you a while and then even if they're not going to agree with you on everything at least it'll open up some form of oh I hadn't thought of that before. That's, yeah. that's how it started with me. And just being open to different things, different ideas. Jiu-jitsu doesn't have to be your answer. It would be nice if it was, but it's like CrossFit. Everybody's so hard on CrossFit. Yeah. But the community that they build in those gyms and the camaraderie and the support, it reminds me a lot of what we do. The only thing I don't like about CrossFit is their goddamn pull-ups. Those aren't fucking pull-ups. Those are swing-ups. Just dead hang pull-up, you know? <laughs> that's That's my only thing I got with you guys, but... Just call them swing-ups. But uh, that's changed a lot of lives. I think that's kind of interesting. And I think I've seen people that I've graduated high school with. They're not into what I'm into. But I've seen it change them in the way that what I've experienced has changed me. So there's avenues for everybody out there. And I think it's good the more the more we can get that out there and at least start that ripple effect, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think community is key. So, you know, just, just finding something that you're passionate about and connecting with, with some people doing that and, and just fucking just try to be better, you know. Just it's um, all we can do, man. So good shit. Well, how can people get a hold of you, dude? So I'm easy to find online. So I've I've taken over the Google of my name. Whoever else shares it in this country now has to fall behind me. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought my domain name in college just for fun. Because was, I used to run an Apple store, so I was trying to play with iWeb, and oh, so yeah. I actually still own the domain name. There's nothing up there, but wise uh, move though. Uh, yeah, I'm like virtual real estate. That must be the next thing. But then I'm like, wait, I didn't have any money in college to buy up anything good anyway. But uh, no, I can be found on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Jordan Dowdy MMA, Instagram Jordan Twitter at Jordan Dowdy. I don't use Twitter too much. I find it to be too cluttered, but I, I try to use it every now and then. But yeah. Uh, that's really where you can find me on social media stuff. I try and post stuff every now and then dealing with what I, I do and other thought-provoking things. But give it or take it, it's it's fine. I'm just living my life, trying to show little bits of it, not trying to act like I'm something I'm not. But the social media game is weird. You start doing it, and you're like, man, I feel like such a punk. Like, look at me, look at me, you know, like those girls that are at fitness models and showing videos of their squats, but they're talking about their form. Like, we know, we know why you did that. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's kind of one of those weird things, man. Kind of just comes with the territory. It's like necessary. Do I, do it, do I don't do it, but you just gotta play the game sometimes. I wish I could disconnect from it, 
but I like seeing my like-minded people that I don't see every day are up yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you use it with a purpose and you use it, you know, in in a way that, you know, adds to your life, then, um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a terrible thing. So it's just it's all about how you use it. It's interesting. One of the things I do enjoy is uh, seeing what books people are reading sometimes. Like I saw you post that flow book, and I'm like, hey, I'm reading the one kind of like that, and I didn't I didn't get through it yet, but I need to. But I mean, that that was always kind of cool to see. It's like, yeah. what's what's all the top people doing? What are the people that I'm trying to emulate doing? Because this is my pathway to them, not what Susie did today or what she ate for lunch. But yeah. what what's Conor McGregor doing today? How's he training? What what did he read? What's his coach up to? Because I yeah. watch more coaches. I follow more coaches or anything on social media than anything else. So yeah. Well, shit, man. We can talk for hours. We'll have to. <laughs> yeah, fucking, we'll yeah have let you me back. shut up. We'll, uh, no, dude. We'll have you back. We'll fucking. We'll we'll definitely have to to talk some more for sure, man. So, all right, everybody. Well, until next time. Uh, we'll see you later. Peace. <laughs>